The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all Hello, hello, and hello again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, but mostly uh, people of adult ages, and everyone across America, welcome back to a brand spanking new episode of The Sea Report. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to you live at this decent hour this evening to uh, bring back a little bit of news, reviews, and views as curated as by myself, your host, Michael Aaron Cossidis, otherwise known as Mr. C, to those who uh, enjoy this show. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for being with us here live tonight as we bring you another episode jam-packed with news and views and current events, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, I'm beginning to sound like a broken record player, huh? But no, 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 no. We've got a jam-packed episode for you guys tonight. Now, for those of you who were watching out for us last night, uh, that would have been uh, Wednesday, March the 2nd. Well, I do apologize that our absence might have been felt, but uh, I promise you guys we'll make it up to you all tonight. Uh, man, I tell you what, guys, We've got a lot of information to cover. Uh, we've got a lot of new news out there and stuff that kind of keeps the world going round in this, uh, this adventure that we call uh, Patriot Commentary, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you enjoy what we have in store for you all. All right. We are coming to you live across multiple streams. If you're joining us over at Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, well, we thank you greatly. We would ask that you follow the, we follow our page or you subscribe to us. You can always do it for free. The Sea Report will always be free. We will never put our content behind a paywall, but most definitely your support and donations are felt, ladies and gentlemen, and every bit helps. So we would ask that if you can throw a bit or a rumble rant this way, well, please do so. Uh, we also, uh, uh, we also accept PayPal and um, uh, what is the other one called? Cash App? Yeah. Terrible way to start the show, Mr. C. Talking about donating to the cause, right? Well, incidentally enough, we actually also just created a C-Report account 
for uh, buy me a coffee. Okay, in case you couldn't tell, we recently were basically demonetized over at our podcast version. Now, if you're brand new to this broadcast, you know, we do this live stream. We don't simulcast, but we do live stream and then we upload our episodes to our podcast so that this way you can get episodes of the C-Report in your ears and on the go. And hey, not all of us can keep our uh, eyes pasted to a screen. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Some of you guys like it live and in living color. And if I may say so myself, there's just a little bit of an element that podcasters miss out whenever they don't get to catch the live streams. But at the same time, you still get all the information and you still get it all delivered, curated just the way that I like it and my own personal viewpoint and perspective. And uh, I thank a lot of you guys out there. We're on episode number 260 today. Uh, we've already gone one entire revolution around our sun. We've been here for over a year. We've been doing it since February 2nd, 2021. Uh, you know, we do a whole lot more than just the C-Report. You know, uh, we work under the umbrella of Mr. CTV because we bring you the C-Report we bring you Lone Star News, which is actually a show that's dedicated specifically to Texas news and current events. And we also bring you Mr. C in the Dark. Or, you know, you can abbreviate it to C in the Dark. I mean, it has it has the exact same ring as the uh, former. Uh, but that is a late night talk show uh, that delves into other types of content and topics that we don't quite often get to talk about as we are reviewing headlines and doing our digs during the C-Report. That's where, you know, I come in my suit and my tie here because this show is meant to look like a news broadcast, okay? Let's not get it twisted. That's the intention, all right, okay? And, uh, well, you know, a C in the dark is generally speaking a little bit more casual. So yeah. So, uh, but if you'd like, you know, even though we're basically demonetized over at our podcast, if you go over to anchor.fm slash the C report, subscribe, follow for free. We may actually be able to get our monetization back. We just need to pass that magical threshold where they will actually monetize us. And you can do that now by visiting anchor.fm slash the C-Report. We're available on Anchor. We're available on Spotify. We're available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on Go Ogle Podcasts. I know those are the worst you know, but those are actually also the easiest to access. Or if you go to anchor.fm.com, I mean, sorry, .fm slash the C report, you can find out what other podcast platforms that we're on that you guys can, uh, you guys can follow us on and listen. And as our audience grows, well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will be able to get monetized again. Um, I will also actually, if you're over there at, uh, the foxhole.app or at pilled.net, I'm going to paste in our link for our Buy Me a Coffee account. Now, I actually have an account for Buy Me a Coffee for my publishing company. Uh, my publishing company is called Virgo Gray Press, uh, but we also, I just created one for 
the C Report, or Mr. C TV, more adequately speaking. So uh, check us out over there. Go and follow us over at Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, just uh, a, a whole bunch of other ways that you can support this show and this broadcast. Because, uh, well, we need it, ladies and gentlemen. We need the support as much as we can get. Sharing the links or making your monetary donations goes a long way. It absolutely goes a long way. All right. I don't want to be too long-winded on that, ladies and gentlemen, because I got to tell you for a fact, you know, we do have a jam-packed episode for you guys today. Absolutely 100% jam-packed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We will be here, uh, you know, at least two hours talking about some uh, upcoming events and uh, uh, current news that's been going on. We'll say that for a fact. Oh, boy. We're going to make up for missing yesterday. Let me tell you what. Now, real quick, uh, we got over hanging out in the good old foxhole. Dpatriot1776. Good evening, madame. Or mademoiselle. (laughs) Good evening, my dear friend. Aurelius Locke, he uh, stepped out of the room to go get some more popcorn. I think he realized he was just out. (laughs) And uh, casual GG17. Good evening, casual GG. Glad to have you along with us. Yes, please do get a hold of our podcast. Whatever podcast platform you listen to, just subscribe, find, search, follow the C Report. You'll get the C Report. You'll get Lone Star News. You'll get Mr. C in the Dark. And uh, let me tell you what, guys, it's a lot of information and it's good stuff. You know, I, 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 I like personally, I like podcasts like that's more what my flavor as opposed to the live stream type of things. You know, even way back in the day, whenever I used to uh, follow Alex Jones, I never watched his show. I listened to his radio show, you know, even back in the day when I used to listen to uh, X-22 report, I don't listen to him anymore. But, uh, you know, he, I, I mean, ugh, he doesn't even have a, a live stream show, right? It's all made for radio, right? So that, I like taking it in auditorily as opposed to optically. That's just the way I've always been, you know, just like I've always, you know, just like, you know, you like music. So it's just an easy uh, bridge to cross between podcast and, you know, music and stuff like that. So that's just my preference, you know. It allows me the ability to use my imagination. It allows me the ability to have my hands and my eyes free to do other things. You know, maybe I'm working on a project. Maybe I'm doing some yard work. Maybe I'm exercising. And, you know, it's just easier for me in a podcast form. So that's what I prefer to do. But if you guys will follow and or subscribe to any of the podcast platforms that have the C-Report, you guys will help this broadcast out in so many ways. You know, because the C-Report and any work that I do, that is I, Michael Aaron Gossidis, I'm shadow banned. I'm algorithmed into a corner of the web. That's what they've done with me. You know, a lot of the big names out there who get thousands and thousands and thousands of followers and thousands of subscribes, they get censored and banned. Like they just, they just chop them off at the root, right? But for small platforms like me, and I've been doing stuff like this since 2008, right? I was probably one of the first ever shadow banned and algorithm. They were like, you see this, you see this potato head over here? who's yelling like he's Alex Jones and talking bad about the Federal Reserve Central Bank. This is back in 2008, guys, when I was just a wee little potato head, as angry as Alex Jones, talking about 
the Federal Reserve. They were like, let's test this one out. Why don't we try the algorithm approach with Michael Aaron Kosadis? And that is what they've done, guys. And they have algorithmed me into a small corner of the web so you'll never find me. You know, I'll never gather or garner the amount of, uh, I don't know, I mean, followers. I don't even, you know, I'm not even a followers kind of person because I've never been a follower myself. I don't, you know what I mean? You guys know what I mean. I don't think I need to get into the entire psychology of it. But what I am just saying is what I'm saying is that uh, my work is algorithmed into the corner of the web. It is shadow banned. It is not banned. It is not censored. It is not removed. Hence why you will, well, except on YouTube and except on Facebook, you know, but that's why you'll still see me in places like Spotify. You'll still see me in places like uh, Instagram, you know, because they won't take me off there because I don't have enough followers on those, but that could change. But either way, you know, the podcast has been very successful. Uh, you know, it used to be a, a pay-per-click, like anytime someone listened, I'd get a couple of pennies, you know, uh, and every bit counts, which is why now that they've basically demonetized me, on my podcast, I need to pass a certain threshold of audience members in order to become monetized again. So at anchor.fm slash the C report, or just go to the C report.com, click on the about button up in the top right hand corner. You can find some other podcast platforms where you can listen to the show. And well, that's basically about that. Uh, let's see here. We got Aurelius Log says, Mr. C looking like Hef. Oh man, let me bust out my uh, my cashmere. No, he's not cashmere, it's probably like silk or 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 e emu, uh, <laughs> burgundy, burgundy, uh, burgundy. Uh, what are those things called? Bathrobe, right? Let me let me bust out my bathrobe and my my uh, 100% silk pajamas, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are great. You guys are great. Uh, I got uh, Dale777 in the chat room is saying, is X22 bad now? You know, uh, for me, I haven't seen X22 as being bad. Honestly, I haven't. I just, you know, it got to the point to where I just got too busy doing what I do here, whether that's researching, digging, reviewing videos, reading articles, and preparing for my show, that I really don't have time to listen to other shows. You know, now, don't get me wrong, I've hopped back into Dave's show, Dave at X22. I've hopped into X22 show, and I don't know Dave, okay? I don't know him, I've never met him, I've never talked to him, I've never sent him an email, nothing. I just say Dave because that's his name, right? We all know Dave, Dave Dave over X-22. Uh, but you know, I've hopped in over the past year or so just to see. I mean, I'm glad the guy's still doing work, you know, because I thought he was a very positive force for Patriots. The only thing is some Patriots took it personal when uh, what he was talking about didn't happen. And well, you know, the rest is history. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've heard things about a lot, a lot of different shows. Okay, so I don't really want to get into that. I think for all intents and purposes, uh, X-22 is probably still a good show. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're bad. I mean, I always enjoyed the show. I just haven't been able to listen to him in a few months, you know? Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pop in every now and then. But, uh, you know, as it were, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 
I mean, I just don't got the time for it. I don't have the time for it. You know, uh, I, I've I've been trying to enjoy other shows and and broadcasts. You know, like uh, and and incidentally, they end up being shows and broadcasts that aren't always like news centric, as in like what's in the headlines. Uh, I'm a bit, I'm a little bit of a purist. You know what I mean? So I would I in addition to not having time to sit down and review peers' work. You know, I'd rather trust my peers and not go review it uh, or, you know, dig for it. But, you know, uh, other other than not having time for that, I would also rather keep my own perspective and viewpoint as segregated and pure as possible to what I know and believe. So this way, if I make a mistake in my reporting and in my sharing of information, I can be accountable for it and I can change it. I won't have to say, well, I listened to Dave and Dave said this, you know? So I don't, you know, that's just, that's just the way I roll. It's kind of like, you know, there are comedians out there who do that. They won't watch other comedies. They won't watch other comedians because they don't want to accidentally scrub a joke or, you know, comment, uh, comment on someone's joke. Uh, you know, there, there are, artists out there. Although, let it be known, one of my favorite artists of all time, uh, his name is Jean Cocteau. He was a French artist uh, around the Day-Day area. But he said the, uh, he said the most smart, the most smart artist or a genius artist is an artist who steals other people's ideas, makes them their own and makes them better. Now, I don't, I don't subscribe to that because I, I kind of think there's a little bit of like, oh, so you're not really original. You're just scrubbing other people's ideas and, and like, you know, like sprucing them up. Uh, but uh, incidentally enough, some of those artists kind of like uh, Picasso uh, were able to, uh, and Jean Cocteau copied Picasso a lot, actually. But uh, anyways, we're not here to talk about art history or art appreciation, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're here to talk about the news of the day. Now, here's another reason why I won't necessarily do that, because I could get caught up in like, I could get caught up in like a, a, a flurry of breaking news and just run away with it, guys. And we'll be talking about an incident just like that tonight, guys. We will be talking about an incident just like that tonight. Uh, where, wherein one good, reliable, and resourceful patriot news agency has a story and everyone runs away with it and it ends up being fake news even though it's not fake news. Okay, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But, uh, yeah, okay. Dale77 says, okay, got it. I like your shows too. Are you Dave? <laughs> What's up, Dave? No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'd be so honored anyways. Okay, guys. All right. So, uh, let's go ahead and jump into it, guys. Because, like I said, we're going to make up for yesterday's absence. We got a lot of news to talk about. Uh, we are going to get, we're going to touch into just a teeny bit of Ukraine news. And this is, this is what I'm talking about with the fake news, even though it's not fake news, you know, okay, I will, I will get into my soapbox when we get to that topic. Okay. I'll wait for it. Now, uh, uh, along with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we we mentioned Kentanji Brown Jackson in our last report. We gave you a little smattering of what this uh, individual is all about. So tonight we'll be doing a deep dive 
into Kintanji Brown Jackson. In case you guys are not familiar with who this individual is, that illegitimate Joe has nominated for the Supreme Court. So get ready for that, guys. You know, she is an Obama-appointed judge. She is a radical judge. We're going to take a look at Kintanji Brown's record, which admittedly is really, really short, okay? Like, she does not have that many decisions or opinions or rulings that she set out in her very short career as a judge, but uh, we'll take a look nonetheless because uh, some of the rulings and decisions that she has made really do offer that viewpoint of her being a radical judge, you know, who kind of, you know, uh, bends the law and the constitution in order to, uh, you know, uh, in order to uh, suit the need of the case that she's working on and the ruling that she's made. So we're going to look, we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into Kentanji Brown Jackson tonight, guys, just so you guys are aware of it. Uh, just so you are aware of it, we will have some swamp creatures on the screen today, guys. So get ready for that. And we're also going to take a look at some of the fallout that is happening in Wisconsin over the uh, Committee on Elections and Campaign hearing on the Gableman Report. So let it be known and let the record reflect. We've got a jam-packed show tonight. Now, before we get into it, of course, President Trump leads here at the Sea Report. So let's see what good old President Donald Trump has to say today. We'll start with a um, we will start with a, a a statement coming fresh from his desk this afternoon on this day, March number three. President Trump says the actual conspiracy to defraud the United States was the Democrats rigging the election and the fake news media and the unselect committee covering it up. Few things could be more fraudulent or met with more irregularities than the presidential election of 2020. They refused to cover the facts, such as just this week, the special counsel in Wisconsin called for the decertification of the 2020 election because of massive illegality, including election bribery and the preying on the elderly for votes, which resulted in fraud of 95 to 100 percent turnout and impossibility in at least 91 nursing homes. Now, uh, who was it I was speaking with? I believe it was, uh, I believe it was our friend over in Twitch, Deplore Laura. I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning this, but uh, during the hearing for the Gableman Report, we were having a conversation and uh, she was telling me that she used to work in nursing homes and rehabilitation centers. And she said that in that environment, only 5% would actually vote. Do you hear that, guys? In the environment of a nursing home, only about 5% of the residents would actually turn in a ballot whenever the special elections officers came around. Those who are deputies, they're deputized, they're specially trained to go ahead and ask the questions, record the votes, and then take them back to the voting hub centers. She said only about 5% of the residents actually participated. 
in voting in any election. And yet here in Wisconsin, at the nursing homes and rehabilitation centers, you had 95 to 100% of their residents voting. Okay, I got to tell you guys, when we were watching the Gableman Report here at Mr. CTV uh, during that uh, live broadcast, live stream and watch party, I was getting so upset and emotional watching how they had taken advantage of the citizens of Wisconsin, our elders, our mothers, our fathers, our grandmothers, our grandfathers, and I could not take it. Particularly because, you know, some of them, they're being exploited, they're being taken advantage of, they're being humiliated, they're being, it's just, it is, it is one of the worst things in my purview when you have someone who does not have the mental faculties to understand what is going on and you take advantage of them, I was about ready to throw my mouse at my computer, guys, because I was getting so upset watching that. And yet that is the behavior that we witnessed while we were, uh, while we were uh, reviewing that uh, while we were reviewing that that, that uh, hearing, uh, was it this past, what, Tuesday? Tuesday or Wednesday? Anyhow, guys, it was Tuesday. But yeah, so there we go. Aurelius, what are you doing over there at Twitch? I see you, buddy. <laughs> it usually looks like a ghost town over at Twitch. We, we usually get some patriots in to uh, keep the lights on and keep the doors open over there at Twitch. But, uh, well, but did you, did you get kicked out of the foxhole or what? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's finish this statement here, guys. Now, uh, we just finished talking in reference to the nursing homes in Wisconsin. President Trump goes on to say, this is true with many other states, especially swing states in Arizona. 204,430 ballots, mail-in ballots, had mismatched signatures that were never sent to review. And 740,000 mail-in ballots had broken chain of custody. All far more necessary than the votes needed. 10,457 for President Trump to win. In Georgia, over 240 ballot harvesters have been identified in an illegal operation spanning multiple swing states, all caught on video. The evidence is monumental. Now, let me pause right here, guys, because you, you, you and I know my audience here at Mr. CTV for the C-Report and also the engaged Patriot audience abroad and in also just the engaged and awake and conscious humans who are just curious about any of the news that's out there. Okay, if you've been following these stories, you just heard it. We have seen the reports, we have seen the hearings, we have seen the evidence, and yet what do they say? What do they say? They say beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was never any evidence of election fraud. No election fraud has ever been proven. Blah, 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 blah. Never listen to those words, ladies and gentlemen. When you have a good old lefty or when you have someone who's so puffed up with pride, ego and narcissism that they just cannot admit that they were wrong, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them because the fact of the matter is... The reason why they can say that is because the judges threw out the cases without looking at the evidence. So when they say, 
When they tell you there was never any evidence of fraud proven, you tell them the reason for that is because the judges threw out the fraud without looking at the evidence. When they say there was never any evidence, you say the judge did not look at the evidence and threw out the case. And that's why they can say that. They can say that because on a technicality, it's true. In the court of law, on the books, as the record reflects, there was no fraud or evidence proven, but it's because the judge did not look at it and the judge threw out the case without looking at it. So you let them know that and give them something to think about, okay? Give them something to think about because it's a technicality that will help their lies of omission and it's a technicality that will help their preference of omission in this reality that they decide to reside in. But the fact of the matter is the evidence is there. The affidavits are there. You would not have thousands of Americans putting their names and their their lives on the line to lie about fraud. It makes no sense. Even statistically speaking, you would not get that many people signing an affidavit on penalty of perjury, telling what they saw, what they witnessed, and what they know is true based on the empirical fact that they experienced as well as what they know is correct, right, and accurate in their soul. So don't let people tell you there never was any evidence. And when they do, you tell them the judges threw out the case without looking at the evidence. And that's why you can say that. Period. They won't even look at the evidence. These people that say those things are just like the judges that threw out the case. They won't look at it, but it's there. It exists. We've seen it in Georgia. We've seen it in Arizona. We've seen it in Michigan. We have seen it in Wisconsin. And we'll get to the Wisconsin fallout. It's happening now, guys. And we'll see. Maybe Wisconsin will end up decertifying before Arizona. I don't know, guys. Who wants to make a friendly wager? Five bucks. I got five bucks on the table. Okay. All right. Let's go. Oh, you want to make an even... I got $17. Okay. (laughs) I got 17 doll hairs, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what's up. Okay. Let's finish this statement. Now, President Trump says... The evidence is monumental, but the unselect committee of politically partisan hacks and someone who had a steaming hot affair with a Chinese spy hides the facts. Judges and even justices of the United States Supreme Court are afraid to even look, as was the Attorney General of the United States. Huh. Could he possibly talking uh, be talking about uh, the B-2 bomber, the uh, beluga whale, big boobies, billium bar himself? Hmm, I think that's possibly who he'd be talking about. But if you've been following the Sea Report for any amount of time, you know that we've never been a fan of William Barr. We stopped being a fan of William Barr back in like 2019, guys, and we were not even on the air here. Okay, but yet you still have people who say William Barr was a good guy and you still have people who say you can trust Alex Jones. It's okay. I still love you all. All right, here we go. Uh, It continues. 
Judges and even justices of the United States Supreme Court are afraid to even look, as was the Attorney General of the United States, who was so petrified of being held in contempt or being impeached by the Democrats. And I don't think that's why William Barr made the decision to do what he did. I don't think he was scared of being impeached at all, guys. I don't think he was scared of being impeached at all. I think he was just doing what uh, I guess the Barr family is best at, right? Uh, Working alongside the Bushes. It goes on, which they were constantly threatening him with, that he was virtually a broken man who allowed for the systemic violation of election laws and other things to take place. Oh, oh, you mean like fast-tracking 40 executive orders from an an illegitimate president instead of assisting the current and duly elected president from fulfilling his um, orders and duties? Sounds like William Barr. Okay, I'll be fair. I'll be fair. It's not like we were not fans of William Barr in 2000. Okay, probably more about 2020 is where we stopped being fans of the B2 bomber, Beluga Well, Billiam Barr, big old booby boy busting Billiam Barr. The statement continues. The reason for January 6th false flag capital riots was that millions of people in our country know the election was rigged and stolen. That's why I was there, ladies and gentlemen, along with covering the event. But anyways, and Nancy Pelosi refused to put the requested 10,000 plus troops in the Capitol three days earlier, as strongly recommended by me. She did not like the look. It's probably more because uh, she was afraid that those 10,000 plus troops that President Trump wanted to put in the Capitol were 10,000 plus troops that would actually serve the president per the military and arrest her ass. The unselect committee's sole goal is to try to prevent President Trump, who is leading by large margins in every poll, from running again for president. If I so choose. I love how he dangles that carrot. That's not for the Patriots, guys. So don't take it personal. Don't be like, Trump's yanking my chain. When's he going to stop it? He's against me and I voted for him. No, stop your crying, guys. We're past the point of crying. If you guys are still crying, you know what? I don't know why you're crying. He's doing that to taunt and troll everyone else that is not a Patriot. Okay? He's not trying to give you mass anxiety or increase (laughs) your blood pressure, all right? He's doing it to troll them, okay? By so doing, they are destroying democracy as we know it. Their lies and Marxist tactics against political opponents will not stop the truth or the biggest political movement. Make America great again. America first! in the history of our country. And now we have a war waging in Ukraine that would have never happened, record-setting inflation and embarrassingly poorly executed withdrawal from Afghanistan and an economy that is teetering at best, all because of a corrupt election result. Let the record reflect, ladies and gentlemen. Let the record reflect. And it, this is fact. This, those, those words are so true. Everything that's happening right now is because rigged elections have 
consequences. And it's about time that people begin to see it because they have to see it. Because they have to see it and they can't be told. Because if you're like me, I don't like to be told. You come and tell me to do something or you come and tell me a certain way, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I ain't going to, I am not going to just be like, oh, let me lay down for you to just throw your weight on top of me. You're heavy, okay? No. You're going to have to show me. <laughs> Anyways, guys, let's get into this next day. We got, we got quite a few statements from President Trump. So let's get into this next statement here. It goes like this. <laughs> Excuse me. All 33 Trump-endorsed candidates won last night in Texas or are substantially leading big night. How will the fake news make it look bad? Okay, President Trump. Even though you nominated a few rhinos in Texas. Okay, a couple of rhinos in Texas. All right, a couple of rhinos in Texas. Not a few, not a handful. I told you guys he was probably hedging his bets and that's why he's like, well, we know Don Buckingham. Okay, I don't, I don't think Don Buckingham is a rhino even though she was in the Senate for six to eight years and she didn't get much done. Hmm. I take that back. I'm just being sour grape. Don Buckingham's in a runoff, okay? Don Buckingham is in a runoff, all right? So it's not a bad thing. You know, I will vote for the person that needs to be voted for come November, whether that's Don Buckingham or Dr. Tim Wesley, it, it is what it is. Okay. But you know, that's, that just goes to show guys, every single person that president Trump endorsed for the Texas races, they crossed the finish line. Even, even comptroller Hegar. Okay. Even comptroller Hegar, who cannot seem to take care of the Texas national guard, who cannot seem to get their paychecks to them on time, who cannot seem to give them an itemized pay stub. So they know whether or not they're working overtime or what they're working for or how much they're getting paid or whether they're being shorted or not. Comptroller Hegar, whom President Trump endorsed, it's okay. It makes President Trump's record look great, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And you know, I'm a fan. I'm still. I'm not. I'm not reneging on my fandom of uh, President Trump. I'm still. I'm still a good fan of his. Now, one of his endorsees. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Okay, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick over there in Texas, ladies and gentlemen. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick wrote President Trump a love letter informing him of his wins in regards to his endorsement run. So we're going to take a look at this now. This is a little bit of Texas news. This is a little bit of news that we usually reserve for shows like Lone Star News. And if you are Texas kin or you are Texas family and friends, make sure you check out Lone Star News here at Mr. CTV, where we cover Texas-centric news and current events with your host, Michael Aaron Caceres, otherwise known as Mr. C. Okay. All right. So let's take a look at this. This is a letter from Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick who won, he won his race in a, in a near landslide, guys. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick writes to President Trump. 
I'm proud to tell you that every candidate I asked you to endorse... Ah, no wonder he endorsed Hegar! No wonder he endorsed Kay Granger! Because Dan Patrick asked him to, and Kay Granger... Okay, guys, you know, I could be okay with Trump endorsing anybody, right? Because I'm going to do my homework, I'm going to do the dig, and I'm going to bring you guys the information. But Kay Granger, guys, is one of the oldest but oldest middle-of-the-road, almost left-leaning rhinos in Texas legislature. She's been here since the days of the dinosaurs, and she has been a middle-of-the-road lefty rhino the entire time. So it makes sense that, because you know... Like they say, President Trump sometimes, you know, gets some bad information. It makes sense that Dan Patrick is the one, because, you know, Dan Patrick is a rhino also. But Dan Patrick is the one who told, who got into little Trump's ear and was like, hey, endorse Craig K. Granger. She's the oldest rhino in Texas. Endorse her president. And he endorsed her. And she won. Anyways. (laughs) Okay, enough about that. Let's finish this letter. Uh, Oh, you know, it all makes sense now, ladies and gentlemen. It makes perfect sense now. Now it says here, uh, every candidate I asked you to endorse won or is solidly in first place going into a runoff. You were 12-0 last night with Texas endorsements last night from my list of recommendations. Your key endorsement of strong conservative candidates who believe in the MAGA policies. I don't know if Kay Granger believes in MAGA. I'm just saying. Who worked hard every day for months was a winning combination over their important uh, opponents. Here are some highlights. One. Your endorsement, along with the most conservative session in history last year, helped me receive more votes than any person on the ballot. I ended with over 1.4 million votes. No, the only reason why we voted for you, Dan Patrick, is because you're going to be the easiest to hold accountable, you dumb E. That is 300,000 votes higher than my 2018 primary And it appears to be an all-time record for any candidate ever in a Texas contested primary. I used your endorsement in all of our ads, mailers, and was pinned to the top of my Facebook page for months. Two, Ryan Gulen won last night with 54% of the vote in a three-way race. He is the bold Democrat that changed parties in the border region. All right, Dan Patrick, let's make sure he's not a uh, he's not a Democrat in disguise, right? That is something you should be very proud of. That was an historic win that will open the door for more conservative Hispanic Democrats to switch parties. Three, Ken Paxton finished first in a tough four-way race. He is in a solid first place position going into the runoff. Now, Dan Patrick, I mean, sorry. Now, Ken Paxton is going into a runoff with George Prescott Bush. Does that name ring a bell? That's right. That's the son of the goofball Jeb Bush, who is named after a grandfather pedophile and a great grandfather Nazi. And we'll be doing some digs on George Prescott Bush on Lone Star News. So if you're Texas folk or Texas kin or Texas family, make sure you check out Lone Star News here on Mr. CTV. 
All right, so we'll be digging into him in uh, in, the, in the coming weeks, guys. Actually, I already got a lot of the the, the reports uh, pulled up. We just got to put the show together. All right, you scored a big conservative win in Tarrant County for County Judge. Tim O'Hare won with nearly 57% over longtime Fort Worth mayor, who was the early favorite. Winners outright last night. Kevin Sparks, the oil man in West Texas, won in a four-way race with nearly 454% of the vote. Mays Middleton won in a 4% way, four, in a four-way race with 56% of the vote. Governor Abbott won with 66% in an eight-way race. I won with 76% of the vote in a six-way race and, as noted, had the highest vote total of any candidate. Glenn Hegar, the state comptroller who can't seem to pay off the uh, or take care of the veterans and the, uh, the uh, uh, Texas National Guard, won easily in a two-way race. Angela Paxton won 65% in a two-way race. And as noted, myself, Tim O'Hare, and Ryan Gulen all won in multi-candidate races. Now, the next section is runoffs scheduled for May 24th. So Texans, Patriots, if you are in the state of Texas, we have runoffs in May. All right. May 24. That is our runoff date. All right. So we got uh, we got one last chance for some of these individuals. But uh, either way, we know how we're voting in November. Right. We unify in November. So don't forget it, guys. Don't forget it. <laughs> and and I may say one more thing about that. I'm not going to wait until the general to make a decision just to vote on party lines. That's kind of a cop out in my opinion. I'm not going to I'm not going to pick a candidate in in the primaries because wow 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 wow. No. No. You know, President Trump endorsed some rhinos. So I did my best to endorse the candidates that I thought were the best for the job. I'm not just going to vote on party lines in November. That's a cop-out, okay? If we're really going to be about cleaning up our backyard from the jump, we're not going to wait until the general election to do that. That's kind of like hypocritical, you know? You know, if you're going to if you're going to make if you're going to make the claims of cleaning up your backyard, you're going to do it from the jump. And that means in the primaries, choose your damn candidate and get behind uh, choose your blessed candidate and get behind them and even if they lose, just know we will unify in November. But don't wait until November to have nothing but squalor rhinos to vote for. I mean, isn't that what we're in this for to kind of like shed the light on the people who really shouldn't be in office. I'm just saying, I'm not talking about anyone or anything specifically. Maybe a friend of mine that was like, I don't care about the primaries. I'll vote in November. Okay. Anyways. Okay. (laughs) So, all right. So runoff scheduled for uh, May 24th. We have Ken Paxton at 42% versus George Prescott Bush, the pedophile and the Nazi at 22%. We have Senator Pete Flores, 46% in a three-way race. He is the first Hispanic Republican to be elected to the Texas Senate. That's pretty sad, guys. In history. Land Commissioner Don Buckingham. Don! Don Buckingham! Anyways, she's in an eight-way race, and her second-place opponent... Who he doesn't name, it's Dr. Tim Wesley of San Antonio, is in 17%. Okay. 
Tarrant DA District Attorney Philip Sorrells, 41% finished in a three-way race. House candidate Frederick Frazier finished first with 44% in a three-way race. What's also important to remember is that with a few exceptions when you endorsed early on, there were no guarantees. These were hard-fought races. I recommended them because I believed in them and I knew your endorsement along with their work ethic and conservative records would get them into the winner's circle. They all thank you for your strong, total, and complete endorsement as I do. I know you also had other big wins in Texas last night as well. No president's endorsement in history has ever been as powerful as yours. Signed, the sycophant, Lieutenant Dan Patrick. Let the record reflect, I did vote for Dan Patrick, but that's because he will be easier to hold accountable then and uh, he was going to win anyways, guys. So, yeah, that's just the way it goes. Oh, isn't it fun talking about uh, campaigns and politics, guys? Let's get into the next Trump statement. This one comes from March 1st. Now, this statement we actually read on Monday, but it will be the perfect segue into our first topic for the evening. So let us reflect, ladies and gentlemen. It goes this way. The rhinos, warmongers, and fake news continue to blatantly lie and misrepresent my remarks on Putin because they know this terrible war being waged against Ukraine would have never happened under my watch. They did absolutely nothing, as Putin declared much of Ukraine an independent territory. There should be no war waging now in Ukraine, and it is terrible for humanity that Biden, NATO, and the West have failed so terribly in allowing it to start. Instead of showing strength and toughness, they declared the global warming hoax as the number one threat to global security, killed American energy independence, and then made Europe, the U.S., and the rest of the world dependent on Russian oil. They laid down the welcome mat and gave Russia the opening. Now Putin may be getting everything he wanted, with Ukraine and the rest of the world suffering the consequences. It's terrible, but this is what you get with Biden, the Democrats, and rhino warmongers. All right, guys. I can sense the excitement in the air, ladies and gentlemen. I can sense the excitement in the air. So, we're going to touch on Ukraine, guys. Before we do that, I should let you know, as I said, we've had a jam-packed episode for tonight. Tonight's stories are resourced and brought to you guys by Interfax News, The Gateway Pundit, The Epoch Times, uh, The Institute for Political Economy, The American Thinker, NABU Leaks, Heritage.org, Justice.gov, Canada Free Press, Law.com, Conservative Opinion, The Amistad Project, The Federalist, and The Washington Free Beacon, with dishonorable mentions from NPR News, Fox News, and the Chicago Sun-Times. 
Now, as we head into the first story of tonight, there was a lot of question about some of the things that happened during the failed State of the Union address. One thing that came to mind that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I really, I didn't watch it, you know, but I heard a lot about this. In fact, even even the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird, pedophile media had something to say about this, which was at the end of the union address, uh, illegitimate Joe said something about getting him. Okay, now I've heard a lot of theories about that, but the only thing I could think about if I think about uh, Pelosi's like giddy reactions to the talk about Ukraine, and then I think about uh, I think about how I, I I heard her say something to the effect that that it was unfortunate for them, them being the people in Washington D.C. about the situation in Ukraine, uh, is that maybe when Joe Biden said "go get him," they meant "go assassinate Zelensky." Okay, because Zelensky did not leave Ukraine. Okay, for everything that NATO and the West and the United States and the United Kingdom promised Ukraine, when it got down to it, they did nothing but slap a 10-year sanction on them that's not even going to affect them. Well, it was a few sanctions, but most specifically was that SWIFT one. And as we covered here two episodes ago, that's not going to hurt Russia at all, okay? It's not going to hurt Russia at all. They already have, like, what, a hundred thousands, hundreds of thousands of other banks on their own version of SWIFT. It's not going to hurt them, okay? They have their own version of SWIFT that excludes America and most of the European countries. It has everyone else in the world on it. They don't need to be a part of SWIFT, Okay. Even though the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, propaganda, mockingbird, pedophile media keeps saying it's going to hurt them, it really doesn't look like it is, right? And so uh, they, they left a getaway plane. They left a getaway plane for Zelensky, and Zelensky chose not to leave, ladies and gentlemen, which, which is to their chagrin... Because they needed Zelensky to vacate the presidency in Ukraine to make him look weak, to get him out, and to put their man Poroshenko back in. Because Poroshenko, if you guys have been looking at any of the media about Poroshenko, he's standing there with his AK-47 and his machine guns and he's like, we're going to take down Putin. Go look it up. Go search out Poroshenko. Poroshenko, one of the most corrupt presidents in Ukraine's history, who fled the country, who was charged with treason, who is in the back pocket of the globalists, the West, and Joe Biden, okay? They want this guy to be the president. because un If Poroshenko had managed to get back into the presidency of Ukraine because Zelensky and his pianist skills flew the coup and they went on a plane and flew somewhere else just like the president of Afghanistan, the Western-backed globalist UN employee from Afghanistan did, 
then they could have been like, oh, well, you know what? Uh, Zelensky's just, uh, he's a fop coward actor. So let's get a real man in there. Let's get someone who has the balls to steal millions and billions of dollars from a country and its people. Let's get President Poroshenko back in office. And they would have done it if Zelensky had left. And they would have probably started to use nuclear war under uh, Poroshenko's approval. Do you see how Zelensky totally derailed them? Now, let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it twisted. I have seen recent headlines about Zelensky being discovered to have billions of dollars in bank accounts, but I have not dug into those headlines, so I cannot speak on those headlines. But what I am telling you is about the geopolitical maneuver that they were going to make getting Zelensky out and installing Poroshenko so that Poroshenko could be, Zelensky's a coward! You want me back? We'll fight Putin! And guess what, guys? This military operation with Poroshenko in, you would have had NATO, you would have had the West, you would have had U.S. soldiers on the ground, you would have had drums, bombs dropping, you would have had, you know, you would have had every member of NATO descending on Ukraine to fight Putin if Poroshenko had been reinstalled as a president. And the reason why he didn't is because Zelensky did not leave Ukraine like they wanted him to. So I think, and this is just speculation, I'm just guessing here, I'm just going on a gut feeling, I'm just going on whatever comes into my brain while I'm going through this. What I think is when Biden said, go get him, he meant go assassinate Zelensky. And uh, if memory serves, there are a few headlines coming out right now talking about how there have been assassination attempts on Zelensky. And I'm not talking about the Wagner group, ladies and gentlemen. So let's talk about some more fake news coming out of Ukraine. Because we've been doing nothing but debunking this whole Russia-Ukraine thing from the jump. Does this look familiar to you, ladies and gentlemen? Actually, this has been hot sauce all over the place, guys. This story has been hot sauce all over the place. Everyone is talking about this story. I am getting messages from fellow content creators. I'm getting messages from dear friends. I'm seeing Patriot Networks everywhere talk about this story. Oh, they just did a press release and they're they're charging uh, Biden with corruption and da 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 ladies and gentlemen. You guys know what we're talking about here, right? We got this we got one of these prosecutors going on interfax.com, interfax.ua. This is a news agency out of Ukraine, okay? Mhm. This is a news agency out of Ukraine who had a press conference where he calls out Biden. He links Hunter Biden to corruption in Ukraine, okay? And, uh, and, and they show, uh, they show a, a, a visual breakdown, an infographic, if you will. No, that's not the pillow guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't break my train of thought here, okay? <laughs> that's not Mike Lindell. I knew you knew. He, I knew, we knew he knew that, right, ladies and gentlemen? Anyways, okay, so... 
we have we have we have this prosecutor in Ukraine pulling out a press conference talking about how Hunter Biden and Biden are linked to all this corruption, money laundering in Ukraine. They pull out infographics, they pull out statements, they have people that they interview, the whole nine yards, and the world of the patriots is on fire! They're like, finally, we've got Biden! Ukraine is talking about all of the corruption over there! Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da! Here's an example. U-S-S-A News. What does that even mean? U-S-S-A News? What does that stand for? That doesn't sound right. That sounds like United Socialist States of America. I don't like the way that sounds, but, you know, these guys, they have the story here. Ukraine press release exposed. Biden's family. Da-da-da-da-da-da. March 2nd, 2022, we got, uh, who's this? WeLoveTrump.com, massive Ukraine press release exposes entire Biden family one day ago. We got FromTheTrenchesWorldReport.com, March 1st, massive Ukraine press release exposes entire Biden crime family. And then there you go. You can play it too, look. Yeah, yeah. Look. It's a, it's a long one, guys. Look, even, even with sound clips from Biden and Poroshenko. Look. Yeah, everyone is talking about this, guys. Okay, it doesn't end there. Who, who else we got? This is what? Uncensored RJS or RTS.com. Massive Ukraine press release exposes entire Biden. Do we have a Patriot Mockingbird Network also? Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen some shows where everyone's like, there's a sudden shift happening. And like everyone on that network is saying the same thing. They're like, there's a sudden shift happening. 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 I'm like, okay, so now we have a Patriot Mockingbird Network. Okay. Okay, I'm not saying these guys are bad guys. I'm not saying they're bad guys at all. No, I'm not. They are sharing good information with people. The only thing is vet your sources, ladies and gentlemen. What I'm trying to say here, guys is that this press conference is from the year 2019, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is not fake news, but in the sense that everyone says that this happened on March 1st or even February 28th or even February 27, 2022, that makes it fake news, okay? And while it is good information, because it's we actually reported on this in episode 233 of this show, which was back in January when we were talking about Poroshenko, we were talking about Biden family corruption in Ukraine, we shared this information with you guys, okay? But for some reason right now, all the Patriot networks are talking about this like it is brand new. And I'm like, are you brand new or what? Because this is old news. This happened in 2019. I'll give you guys some context in a minute. As soon as I, as soon as I, as soon as I finish sharing with you all this information. I hope I didn't ruin anyone's shows that are upcoming. Let's see here. Daily Truth Report. Massive Ukraine press release exposes the entire Biden crime family. Where are they getting this stuff from? It's the same headline over and over again. News Essentials blog. Here's one that's different. These guys think for themselves. 
Interfax Ukraine, $16.5 million in royalties from Burisma to Biden and partners stolen from Ukraine, Durkosh says. Okay, February 5th. And again, they reference the same news conference that everyone and their grandmas are riding on those nuts. Like, they're just like, oh, lordy, look at this. You know, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Is that, like I said, this is not fake news per se. But it is fake news because it happened almost three years ago. All right? It happened almost three years ago. And it's real. They really had this press conference where this man came out... Dirk Hotch, he's one of one of the prosecutors, one of the district attorney, whatever you call that over there in Ukraine. We covered it in 233. Now, he really, they really do lay it all out, guys. They really do. And 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 so, the thing about it is even some of the wording they had to change in reporting because uh, what you had him is saying is he said that the, he was indicted and it wasn't even true. He was not indicted. That was one of the misnomers or maybe one of the, uh, the uh, lost in translation moments for this press conference. He was named. He wasn't indicted. There were no charges officially filed. We had we had Poroshenko. I mean, sorry, we had uh, we had uh, Victor Shokin, who had actually filed a complaint with the courts in Ukraine uh, to open up an investigation because uh, we had uh, we had uh, Poroshenko, the um, the the former president. We had him getting this dismissed. Okay, so that actually happened. This press conference actually happened in 2019. Okay, it didn't happen last month. It didn't happen two weeks ago. Now, some people are kind of like, well, you know, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. The information in here, as far as I've reviewed, is accurate. What they're sharing with the people is accurate. So for the fact that it is refreshing or it is bringing up this information again to people, I think that is good. But the fact that we have a million patriots announcing this as brand new news uh, and you're going to have hardcore lefties out there saying that's from 2019. Well, you know what? I want to make sure we don't look a certain way here, guys. So I'm going to share this information with you all as hard as it is. It, it All it takes, guys, is a little finger work, a little finger work and a little time and you can go and vet this information yourself. It doesn't take long. Now, the reason why you're not going to find this video and if you're one of those techie people who knows how to, like, figure out the root of a video and know what date it was, like, uploaded for the first time ever in the interwebs and you can figure out where it came from, the IP address and all that stuff, you know, you'll find that the reason why you cannot find this video is because it was scrubbed back before 2021. Like, it was scrubbed a long time ago. So if you go to root articles where this this press conference was first reported, the video links to this same press conference on those articles from back then, it's scrubbed. And that's why you can't find one from 2019 or 2020. They scrubbed this video, okay? And it's back now. Now, it's good that it's giving out this information again. It's bad that all of us patriots are looking like conspiracy theorists going on about a press conference that happened three years ago and talking about it like it happened today. So I'm doing, okay, you know how like when someone is mispronouncing a name or a word 
and you correct them so this way they don't look a certain way to the rest of the world. That's what I'm doing right now, okay? I don't want us to look a certain way to the rest of the world when this happened so long ago for us to go out and tell people, oh, oh, well, they just had a press conference in Ukraine that says that uh, Biden this and Biden that, blah, 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 blah. And then someone's going to look at you and be like, not that many lefties out there know this information, but someone's going to look at you and be like, that's old news. You know, it didn't happen. Okay, so just so you guys know, I'm not up here just, you know, pontificating. (laughs) Let's go to Interfax Ukraine agency, guys. Now, Interfax Ukraine is allegedly the story that reported this, right? And they did. Okay, let's take a look at this article. It goes back to, let's see here, October 9th, 2019. Burisma paid Joe Biden $900,000 for lobbying Ukrainian MP. Now, this is one of the articles where they tie this entire um, press conference into. So we're not going to read it, but this is just so you can see that you had Durkach, Durkach right here. This is the guy that you see in the video, okay? All right. So that's him describing the mechanism of getting money by Biden Sr. at a press conference, at a press conference at Interfax Ukraine's press center in Kiev on Wednesday. This is 2019, guys. All right. So I'm not just up here saying this for nothing. All right. I'm telling you, this is legitimately, it's, it's real fake news. Not like it's really fake, but like, It's real news, but it's fake in the context that we are selling it right now because we've got a million patriots out there who are saying that Ukraine has busted wide open Biden. And this happened three years ago, two years ago, two and three months ago, two years and three months ago. However, you know, but so like I said, like I said. Durkach publicized documents which, as he said, described the mechanism of getting money by Biden Sr. at a press conference at Interfax, Ukraine's press center in Kiev on Wednesday. We're not going to read the rest of it because guess what? All of you guys have watched the press conference, which is good because the information on the press conference was accurate, but the reporting time is false. It's very intricate, guys. It's this is a very intricate kind of you know. It's like is this is this a uh, is this like an a, a, like a fake news attack? Is this is how what where does this fall on the information warfare spectrum? Is what I'm trying to figure out because it's giving you the right information, but it's doing it at a time that makes it look false. So maybe they can just discredit you altogether because you're saying it happened yesterday when it happened three years ago. So now you'll just be discredited, and I don't want us to. To look like we're discredited. So I'm going to share this information with you. Here's another one. Okay. We already have enough battles uphill that we don't need this crap to be in our way, guys. We don't need this to be in our way. We already have enough of a struggle, even though we're winning. We don't need to look a certain way because we didn't do our homework. And I'm not saying you didn't. I'm just saying the people who are out there publicizing this did not. This is from 11, no, it's November 2019. Biden partners received $6.5 million in payments stolen from Ukraine. MP Durkach, the guy who had the Interfax um, uh, press conference. Now, Kiev, November 20th, Interfax. Some $16.5 million received by Hunter Biden, the son of former U.S. President Joe Biden, as payment from Burisma was stolen from Ukrainian citizens. Member of Parliament Andrea Durkach has said 
Dirk Hatch said at a press conference at the Kiev-based Interfax Ukraine news agency that on November 14th, the prosecutor general's PGO announced a new suspicion to the owner of Burisma's former ecology minister, Mykola Zlochevsky. Like I said, we covered this on episode 233 back in January, guys. Back in January, we covered this here on the Sea Report. It was part of one of our reports on the Biden corruption, okay? So, I'm um, just, it's 233-232. If you care to go back and listen to it on the podcast, well, that's where you'll find it. All right, so there's that. Again, this is Interfax, guys. This is the same news agency that people are reporting this on. Here's another one, okay? <laughs> I ain't done yet, all right? Okay, <laughs> and we're not done yet. We'll just check it, check this out, guys. Check this out. All it takes is a little finger work and a little bit of time, and you can vet this information, okay? All right, this is from 11... A November 2019, MPs demand Zelensky Trump investigate suspicion of U.S.-Ukraine corruption involving $7.4 billion. Okay, now, doesn't that look familiar? Now, this is not the video everyone's watching, okay? But this is around the same time. So you're going to be like, well, Mr. C, if that's not the same video that they're showing now, how do you know that the video they're showing now isn't an updated one? Because this guy shaved his beard or what? Anyways, okay. <laughs> Let's move on, guys. Ready? Okay. Let's go to Interfax International. This is the website. Now, we're going to look at two of these. They have an Interfax.com and they have an Interfax.ua. Okay. Now, if this just happened in February, like they said, it should be here present and accounted for in their top stories and any of this, right? Because this just happened. Okay. So, let's go ahead and search. Biden. What comes up? Uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff on Zelensky, 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 Zelensky. And in fact, we probably don't have. Oh, wait. Yeah, we do. Okay. So we search Biden. What do we get? March 1, U.S. closing airspace to all Russian flights. Biden. March 1, Russia to retaliate to expulsion of 12 diplomats of Russian permanent mission to U.N. from U.S. Foreign Ministry. Let's see here. March 1, Zelensky, Biden discuss anti-Russian sanctions. Now, you would think if they just held a press conference where they're damning Biden and Hunter Biden that uh, Zelensky and Biden would not be having anti-Russian sanctions, right? Here's February 26th. Ukraine receives anti-tank weapons, air defense systems, munitions, other military equipment. uh, December 22nd, 2020. So we go from February 26, 2022. To December 2020, guys, on on the same website that they held this press conference in, okay? Former U.S. Ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul, the new U.S. President will not seek friendship with Putin. March 2nd, 2011, Medvedev to meet with Biden on March 9th. I don't see this story anywhere, guys. Okay, let's go back further because this happened in 2019, like I said, right? Uh, December 8th, 2021, Putin-Biden hope for further constructive progress of resumed Iran talks. February 27th, 2020, Ukrainian detectives open case into possible pressure put on from former Prosecutor General Shokin by Biden. February 27th, 2020, two years to the day. Is that what you call a delta? I don't know because I don't speak that language. But two years to the day, this article comes up again. Okay, 
Do you see that, guys? Two years ago. Two years ago. All right? To the day. Okay, so it goes, uh, Ukraine State Bureau of Investigators Investigation has registered a criminal case opened into possible pressure put on Ukraine's former prosecutor, General Viktor Shokin, by former U.S. President Joe Biden. Okay. And this isn't even about the press conference, but this is the same, same reason why it was going on, guys. Okay, so that's all we get. Okay, that's all we get from them. Let me see if I can get this to go back real quick. We're going to load more, load more. Okay, so then from there we go to 2014, guys. Then we go to 2016, 2015, 2015. Okay, so next website. Now, this is from the website interfaxukraine.ua, okay, .ua. Now, if this just happened, it should be on their front page, right? This should be, it should be plastered everywhere. It's not. So we have to go and search Biden. Let's see what it says. Well, they got a lot of stuff here on Biden. Uh, let's see, we got a lot of 2022 stuff from March, March, March. Okay, so here's in February. February 25th, 25th, 26th, 26th, March 1st. General Staff of Armed Forces of Ukraine thanks USA. Nope. Kuleba, anti-tank weapons, air defense. Nope. Biden orders to urgently provide Ukraine with funds for defense. Nope. Zelensky says discusses defense assistance anti-war coalition. Nope. Biden, next few days, weeks, and months will be hard on people of Ukraine. Nope. Nope. We're not getting it, guys. We're not getting any of it, okay? Not getting any of it, guys. So, let's take a look at some articles from 2020 by other patriots or Patriot websites. This is from Paul Craig's Roberts. Yeah, I know, guys. I know. I know. I've done heard told that he is working for the government. He's still on the government contract. I know. This is one of Alex Jones's sources, right? Still works for the CIA, all that good stuff. I know. But that's not why we're looking at this. We're looking at this because he actually did an, inter- an article on this. Interfax News reports on Biden's participation in Ukrainian corruption. Dated. December 29th, 2020. Do I need to expand that a little bit more so you can see it? Okay. Interfax News reports on Biden's participation in Ukrainian corruption. Here is a long report on Interfax News of an investigation into Ukraine corruption that covers father and son's Biden's role in providing protection for corruption in exchange for money payments. The report gives the larger picture of the extent of Ukrainian corruption. It seems that it might be the case that Washington applies sanctions to those who participate in uncovering and revealing corruption involving U.S. financial systems. Huh. So do you think that that this link works? This YouTube video? Let's see. This video is not available anymore. Yeah. Do you see why you can't find this video anywhere? And this is why people are saying that this is brand new, guys. It's not. Check this one out. This is from the American Thinker. This is also dated December 29th, 2020. Uh, Ukraine press conference explicitly ties Hunter and Joe Biden to corruption. Okay, so there's nothing new here, guys, that we're going to read. But what we are going to look at, guys, just so you can say, just so you can see that this information, the same exact press conference, the same exact information that they show us and they tell us was released a few days ago is not accurate. It's from 2019, okay? Because you guys haven't seen the video yet, right? It's been scrubbed, okay? 
We're going to go to this. Nabu Leaks. Now, this article was written in December of 2020, guys. So when we go to Nabu Leaks, this is what we get. Hmm, this might look familiar. This might look like some of the infographics that they showed during that press conference that everyone thinks happened a couple of weeks ago. Or a week ago, right? Check it out. Nabu Leaks. Democrat corruption. Oh, look at all of this information. All these infographics, all right? New facts of international corruption and external governance of Ukraine. Press conference, okay? Press conference is dedicated to new facts revealing international corruption and external governance of Ukraine. Because of the leaked information about today's press conference last week, it was announced that I was being sanctioned by politicians from the U.S. Department of Treasury under the request of the Democrat senators. They really did not want us to publish what we are going to release today, but we did not refuse a press conference. The state independence and sovereignty of Ukraine are at stake. Uh, and most importantly, the opportunity on the basis of documents, facts, material evidence, and now testimony of witnesses to return billions of dollars of money to Ukrainian citizens. So like I said, guys, this information is real, okay? This information, as far as I can tell, is accurate. It is the timing and the dispensation of that information that's making us look like we're fresh. We're green. We don't know what we're talking about. We just, we take a random narrative and we run with it. Okay. Check this out. If we, if we go further into this document, if we go further into this document, you get all the information, you get all the same infographics, everything that they share with you in that video. Oh, but look, you also get the interview that they hold in that same press release. You guys saw this, right? So I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about, okay? This is from 2020, okay? So I'm not just speaking out of my tuchus here. <laughs> I'm just saying a couple of clicks and a little bit of time and you're going to get all of the information just so we don't look a certain way. That's all I'm saying. The information is accurate. The way it's being presented makes it look false. And that makes us less credible. Oh, wait, here's that conversation. Here's that conversation between Poroshenko and Biden. In fact, you know what? I'm going to play this because we have not documented this on our show. So give me a moment. And I know some of you guys have heard it, but uh, I want this documented on my show, actually, because like I said, this is accurate information. It is just not being presented in a way that makes us look credible. And uh, we're all on the same team here, guys. So that's what that is all about. Here we go. And if uh, president uh, can also support us, not only with the Minsk, but with the visa-free, that would be something when we are trying to sell uh, to the Ukrainian people. And uh, I'm still uh, hoping that you can come maybe on the 21st of uh, November on our anniversary of Revolution of Dignity. And that would be a very big delivery. With regard to my coming on the 21st, as I told you, I could never come on the 21st. I was going to try to come immediately after, uh, uh, in early December. But mm -hmm. here's where I am now. And uh, 
part of my uh, answer to that will, it depends on uh, what what was your conversation with um, uh, our president-elect. One of the things I've been doing is spending. They have. They are not. I'm not making a. I'm not being critical, but they're. They, the new the incoming administration, has been very, very slow on on uh, on getting ready for transition. Quite frankly, like most of America, they didn't think they were going to win the election, so they did not have a fulsome transition team. Matter of fact, as of a week ago, they changed their transition team. Transition is a very, very delicate and, um, and precise dance that goes on from administration to administration over the last hundred years, and uh, it requires the exchange of classified information and the like, and the people they put forward to be part of the transition have to be cleared to do that, just as we had to be cleared after the Bush administration, et cetera. They have not done that. They're trying to catch up and do it now since they fired the guy who headed up the transition just last week. The reason I bother to tell you that is I have been somewhat limited on what I'm able to tell their team about Ukraine. The truth of the matter is the incoming administration doesn't know a great deal about the situation. So I'm meeting with the vice president-elect, who's the only one that has any foreign policy experience. You play an enormous, uh, you, you play now the role in the bringing peace to my, to my country and save, actually save my country. This is my real uh, feeling. And, uh, well, you're awfully generous. I don't plan on going away. I mean, as a private citizen, I plan on staying deeply engaged in the endeavor that you have begun and we have begun. Yeah. At least that's my objective. That's my objective. But if I go beforehand, I'm worried since they don't know enough, they will think I'm trying to gain them. They will think I am trying to put them in a corner. They will question my motive in going uh, before they are fully briefed. And I'm sure you understand that. You're a good negotiator. That's, that's, at least that's my thinking uh, at the time. And I've seen nothing to make me question my judgment about this being the right approach. Okay, guys. Whoops. Okay, guys, there you go. So there was that. Now, uh, just real quick before I miss, um, thank you so much, Relanon, for gifting the 117 gold pills. Thank you, Lynn RC, for gifting the shades. And also thank you, Judy the Ladypug, for delivering us with a cookie here on this uh, Thursday evening. Now, as I said, we've covered this, guys. Um, and also... Uh, the Joe, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were never subpoenaed. They were never subpoenaed. Never were they subpoenaed in Ukraine. Never. It never happened. Okay. Um, they only had their name added to basically a docket that in, into uh, into a court information, and then from there, nothing ever happened. Okay. Now, as far as any new subpoenas going on in Ukraine. I have not seen anything about that, and I doubt that while they're getting bombed 
And while the uh, deep state globalist is getting, uh, you know, eviscerated, that something like that's going to happen. I think something like that would happen after the military operation is complete, but not during the military operation. I just I don't see that as being viable. But uh, I have not seen any new information about any type of subpoenas or anything going on in Ukraine in that regard to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Now, uh, it'd be a great, it'd be great, it'd be great if it happened, but uh, I just haven't seen it happen, guys. I haven't seen it happen. And uh, that's just the long and the short of it. You know, there you go. There's your, all your videos here, Joe Biden and... Uh, now this is quite a this is quite a lengthy lengthy conversation these two uh men seem to be having here. So there you go. January 2020 or sorry December 2020 is when this story broke in the Patriot circles and no one paid attention to this back in 2020. No one paid attention to this back in 2019, not that I'm aware of. You know, not that I'm aware of. And I'm sure that there were some. See, here are all the documents that they showed you guys. Here's everything. Everything is here. All right. From this brand new press conference. Everything is here. Everything you want to know. In fact, I will probably mirror this article on my website because I the information is accurate. <laughs> it's just misplaced in time. And and so, you know, I kind of think like this might be a good thing for patriots to start digging on again, you know, because we can latch on to this. And, you know, if you throw any of this information at Joe Biden, it's probably going to stick to him. Right. So I don't know. This is some kind of information warfare tactic where they give you the right information, but at the wrong time or under the wrong context and it discredits it. But it doesn't mean that outfits like this and people in my audience can't use this to their advantage because we never bought in to this false narrative that Ukraine just held a press conference a couple of days ago. So I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of you guys for not uh, not falling for it. OK. All right. So I think that actually wraps up that story, guys. <laughs> Go. Gaw, man, they trying to screw up patriots like that. Gaw, what is up with that? <laughs> go Gableman, go Gableman. <laughs> making it happen, making it happen. Okay, guys, so as you can tell by the face of Supreme Court Justice retired Michael Gableman, we are changing gears here at the Sea Report, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about let's talk about Wisconsin uh, campaigns and elections hearing Gableman report fallout guys. It is happening right now live in Wisconsin and never forget guys when you get someone telling you that there was no evidence of fraud anywhere. You look them in the eye and you say, yeah, because the judge refused to look at the evidence and threw out the case, which makes it inadmissible, which means it technically it doesn't exist. That's the only reason why it does not exist, because the judge refused to look at the evidence and threw out the case. But that does not mean 
that it is not there, okay? So never forget, guys, because you we still have them to this day. They're like, there was no evidence. There was no evidence. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, maybe if the judge had actually looked at the evidence and not thrown out the case and had submitted it into court documentation, etc., you guys would know there was evidence. Well, it's happening now, guys. It couldn't happen under the hearings, guys. It couldn't happen under the hearings. But... It is happening with the will of the people who are moving this along. Slow as justice might roll, guys. Justice is being served. It's just, uh, you know why it's taking so long for justice to be served? Because they're backed up in the kitchen, okay? Because they've got so much justice to serve. (laughs) They cannot keep up with the orders, all right? That's why it's taking so long for justice to be served. Because they are backed up to the wazoo, but it's coming out, guys. So just hold tight. We're going to have us here a good old-fashioned bar rescue, no pun intended. Okay? All right, let's see what we got here in the wake of the Gableman report. What's our first story? Is this our first story? Are we talking about the Amistad Project first? Yeah, I believe we are. Okay, so Amistad Project, whom some of you all may know, as a constitutional, you know, and a, uh, uh, um, uh, a will of the people organization, among other things, uh, they have actually uh, released an interview. According to their headline here, Amistad Project reveals explosive interview with a Wisconsin election clerk. Now, let me tell you why this is important before we get into it, okay? The reason why this is important, and now, uh, don't get me wrong, the topic of conversation that they will be having with this election clerk is not so much along the lines of the duties and the roles of an election clerk. No, they're going to talk about something else. But the reason why it's important is because do you know how in most states and commonwealths, the secretary of the state is the highest law of the land in their state for elections? Well, that's not the case in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, um, the Secretary of State is not responsible as the ultimate say on elections. It actually is, well, it's a chain of things. It's city clerks are the ones who are responsible. And from there, it goes up into like the governorhood and stuff like that and the legislature. It's, it's, It's a different system for the electoral process in Wisconsin, right? But ultimately, according to Wisconsin state law, And according to municipality law, the law of the cities in Wisconsin, with cities, townships, what have you, the county or the city clerk is the ultimate law in regards to elections, which means they are, according to state law, supposed to run the elections. Now, that is exactly where Zuckerberg, Zuckerbuck's CTCL, Center for Tech and Civic Life, and the National Vote from Home Institute messed up in Wisconsin. It's, it's, this, is, this is kind of like a unique situation because no other state could really get away with this unless they had um, laws that were similar to Wisconsin's where you had uh, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, the president of the National Vote from Home Institute, going into Green Bay or going into Madison and actually running the elections, booting the election clerk out. 
which, by the way, pissed off the election clerks. They're like, we didn't know what we were supposed to do. Basically, this guy came in here and took over our jobs. They told us what to do. They made new rules. They made new regulations. And we were just sitting there and no one would give us any. Like, they were scorned. They were scorned sour grapes mad, some of these election clerks in Wisconsin. And they spoke out. But anyways, that's just so you can get a kind of a context on why... An interview with an election clerk in Wisconsin is important because they are actually the top of the pyramid. Terrible analogy, right? They're the top of the hill when it comes to elections in their city, respectively. And that is a summation of the state. Okay, so uh, let's see what uh, this article from Amistad Project has to say. This is all the fallout, guys. It's happening after this Gableman hearing. All right. The bulldog, the pit bull himself, Michael Gableman. So tenacious. So gaw. All right. It says Amistad Project reveals explosive interview with Wisconsin election clerk. Interview spawned investigation into potential fraudulent ballot harvesting at Wisconsin nursing homes. Amistad Project director Phil Klein comments on disclosure of videos from Wisconsin nursing homes. Now, this was, oh my goodness, I talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the show. It really, really tore me up the way that they exploited and used and humiliated the elders of Wisconsin in the, in the nursing homes. I just, I couldn't, I could not. There's a special place that justice serves people like that, ladies and gentlemen. There is a special place that justice serves people like that, guys. Okay. All right. It says, uh, in response to special counsel Michael Gableman's testimony before Wisconsin state lawmakers today, during which he played clips of recorded interviews with Wisconsin nursing home residents and their families, the Amistad Project released video footage of the explosive interview that first tipped investigators off to the invest existence of voting irregularities in Wisconsin nursing homes. Now, keep in mind, guys, in addition to this, we also had the entire situation that was going on in Wisconsin in Racine County with Sheriff Schmeling, who was doing an investigation into election um, uh, ballot harvesting in nursing homes that was happening illegally, okay, illegally. They could let the pizza man in, they could let the fish tank man in, they could let the uh, vendors in, they could let the janitors in, but they would not allow deputized election officials who know how to handle situations like this in Wisconsin. They could not let them in to uh, to do the uh, duties and the business of election workers, but they could let, you know, the fish tank man in, okay? So, you had what was happening in Racine with uh, Sheriff Schmeling, okay, who did make a recommendation for prosecution for five of the six Wisconsin Election Commission's officials. He did make that recommendation. So, so you guys know what happened. Basically, what happened is Schmeling made the recommendation to the, uh, to the Attorney General in the state of Wisconsin. McCall, I think is his name. And then the Attorney General threw that recommendation back to the, to the DA's which is exactly what's happening in Texas, guys. He threw the recommendation back to the DAs and they did nothing. And then basically case closed. We got nothing coming out of it. So even though, uh, even though Sheriff Schmeling made the recommendation to prosecute, to hold accountable five of the six Wisconsin Election Commission officials, 
nothing happened. And that's why, because the AG made no decision to do so. The DAs made no decision to do so. And so basically it was dead on arrival, right? Okay. So with that happening in the nursing homes, then you have this coming up with Michael Gableman's report. And then you have this coming up from the Amistad project. It's just, it's an all around firestorm guys. And justice needs to be served. I will be darned, damned if someone were to do this to my loved ones, Anyways, okay, make them look like a damn fool? Oh, no, uh-uh, take advantage of them, exploit them like that? Uh-uh, sugar, you better, you got something else coming, okay? Now, it says here, the Amistad Project became aware of irregularities in Wisconsin nursing homes after Phil Klein interviewed an election clerk on September 27th. In that interview, Linda Sinkulu, Sinkula, indicated that she had concerns that it would not be a fair election due to the influence of private funding and stated that one of her colleagues knew how to out knew how the outcome was going to come in November after learning that people came in and systematically registered residents and apparently voted for residents who do not normally vote under state law special voting deputies one from each party are required to be present to assist nursing home residents with absentee ballots. From that interview, Amistad continued its investigation into nursing homes, and these videos are the fruits of that investigation, said Phil Klein, director of the Amistad Project. It is now possible to share that original interview, which led to extensive investigations that uncovered significant evidence of wrongdoing. We tied Zuckerberg money to this, and special counsel Gableman is now saying that private funding may have violated state bribery statutes, Klein added, noting that Amistad's initial investigations in Wisconsin uncovered evidence that private funds were connected to the use of so-called voter navigators, partisan activists who assisted voters, as well as uh, partisan targeting of voters by government entities for enhanced get-out-the-vote efforts. The videos that special counsel Gableman played for legislators today reveal a coordinated effort to engage in harvesting fraudulent ballots. This is consistent with what we've learned, uh, what we're learning in other states, and demonstrates the importance of allowing investigative findings to mature before releasing them to the public, Klein continued. The irregularities in the 2020 election were obvious. However, investigations take time. It is vitally important that we continue with that effort, and that is what we intend to do. All right, so there's that, guys, and we got coming up for you the actual interview. So let's take a gander at what they had to say, and uh, I'm pretty sure we were good on sound there, right? So we can go ahead and get this going. Hey, 123SKG, how you doing tonight? Thank you for gifting the can over there in the foxhole.app, and you know what? Uh, thank you all for joining us this evening. If you're live with us on Twitch, if you're live with us on Rumble, Clout Hub, uh, the Foxhole.app, Pill.net, 
Thank you so much for being with us in the audience tonight, live for this edition of the Sea Report. I told you guys we got a jam-packed episode tonight. We still got Kentanji Brown Jackson to talk about. We still got a couple of other stories, uh, but we are definitely going to finish diving into the fallout that's happening around the Gableman Report here. If you like the work that we do here, please do consider giving us a donation over at our PayPal or our Cash App. I have the uh, I have the addresses for that scrolling across the bottom of the screen right now. We just set up a brand new buy me a coffee uh, uh, account so it's buymeacoffee.com slash mr c tv that's mrc tv ladies and gentlemen in case uh you prefer to do it that way and uh, we definitely appreciate any uh any uh, contributions that come this way helps keep the lights on helps keeps us rolling helps keeps me nice and fired up with the good old espresso ladies and gentlemen let's get this video going guys all right what about if you're Township said, we're going to give you $10,000, but we want you to only spend it on turning out Republicans. I don't think that would happen here. I honestly don't think in a small town like this, it would happen. Would you have concerns about it if somebody tried? I would. I would really. And why is that? Because it wouldn't be a fair election, which we all know, but I had a one girl that helped out in my election and she works for her dad owns a nursing home in Kiwani. And this goes back way to the spring election already. And she said a lot of people in the nursing home usually don't vote. And she already had them register. They, they, they had a party come in and had them register. And she said already in April, she knew how the outcome was going to come in November. Really? Yep. She and told why me that. Is that. Because she said, my nursing home people don't normally vote because some, she said, they don't have the right frame of mind. But this party came in and they had, and she was in charge of it. So that's how I knew. And she said, Linda, I can tell you already how the November election is going to turn out. What is it? Can you share her name? Yeah. And how do you know her? I'm sorry. She helped. She's she helped with my election. Okay, with your campaign. No, just with oh. at the polling place. We needed people um, with COVID and everything. We had people in there sanitizing, um, washing things down, and she was one of those workers. When somebody opened the door, she was behind him washing. She was washing the poll book, uh, poll where you go in and vote the voting machine thing area. So, but she had commented me in August, she saw it coming. In August, she, and she said, we never had, we never had our nursing home people vote before. Now, you said a couple of things I want to make sure I understand. Mm -hmm. You said that, she said one party came in. Mm -hmm. What did you understand that to mean, one party? She said the Democrat Party must have been pushing in the Kiwani nursing home to get the residents registered to vote that have never registered before. And okay. so she, she already told me in August she could see where this election was going. And you also mm -hmm. said that she said that some of those people never vote because they don't have the right frame of mind. What did you understand that to mean? She said some of them don't know. They don't. She said they didn't know what they were doing and stuff. And so she would help them through. She said I'd give them a ballot. 
and she said I could see where it was going and she said she knew it was in August already how she could tell how they registered and stuff she said I could just see where it was going pretty crazy you there know what I, see hey! I see every single I don't, uh, at this particular moment in time, care what you see. <laughs> um, I see a house that is emitting a whole bunch of noxious and uh, ozone-changing gases by way of sun panels. And I used to be for sun. I mean, for solar panel, but uh, I mean... I mean, it doesn't really do your doesn't really do you any good if you're going to be releasing deadly gases into the atmosphere, does it now, honey? No, it doesn't. Okay. All right, guys. So let me get that fixed up real quick for ya. That's the video. I mean, that's that's basically the crux. Uh, that's where this started, guys. Um, hold on. Trying to do something over here real quickly. Some technical stuff. You see, uh, as I've often stated, we are a one-man band here over at the Sea Report. So uh, don't mind me if I take a few moments. Thank you, Krusty Cream, for gifting the can. This is Undercover Interview. Uh, well, I mean, was it an Undercover Interview? I guess maybe she did not know that uh, he was recording her. I don't know. But uh, Amistad Project lawyers, I think they would have to disclose that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, sir. But uh, anyhow... Uh, it's still val it's still valid information, I would think. Just kind of like uh, Project Veritas does their thing, right? Okay, cool. All right. As a one-man band, I'm just pasting some links into the chat. Okay, guys. All right, there you go. Okay, now let's get rolling again. Let's get rolling. We're not done yet. We still got a lot to talk about with Wisconsin before we move on for the day. Okay, so uh, we got this article here coming out of The Federalist. Now, this is where they're actually addressing... I do appreciate that can. Uh, I was going to say Uncle Krusty. <laughs> or maybe I could say Uncle Creamy. Hey, Aurelius Locke, do you remember Uncle Creamy? He's a supervillain from episode one, season three of The Tick. Look it up. Okay, all right. So, Krusty uh, Cream, I appreciate the can. Okay, now, so I can get back on track, guys. Um, this article, like I said, comes from... Whoops. Comes from uh, comes from the Federalist. Now, as mentioned, you know, aside from this, now that was the investig that was the interview that really kicked off the investigation. I, I guess never mind all the work that uh, Sheriff Schmaling had done down in Racine County, right? I'm sure that had some something to do with it too, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but then we have here also mentioning of how Zuckerbuck's monies being infused into the elections there in Wisconsin violated bribery laws. And actually, it's quite nice to see a headline like this because, you know, you would really have to uh, call upon every, uh, every county or every election center that received the Zuckerbuck's money, county, city, whatever. And uh, you would have to get like an itemized receipt of like, how that money was spent if you really wanted to go at it that way, right? I think there was uh, a case out of Pennsylvania that we covered back like in March of last year. Uh, it was it was either Pennsylvania or it was Michigan where Zuckerbuck's money, it was showed like what they spent their money on. Like they actually turned in their report um, because Zuckerbuck sent out like a survey saying, hey, how'd you spend your money? Did you spend it all? What'd you spend it on? And, uh, you know, and that of course is because if you didn't spend it the way that they wanted you to spend it, there was a clause in that agreement that said you would have to pay it back, okay? 
So uh, they wanted to know how that money was spent. And it, it was like, oh, they bought someone bought a van so they could go uh, hand out you know, ballots and informations to people in certain neighborhoods. Some people bought radio spots and some people bought rappers so they could make music about getting out the vote. Some people bought billboards, you know, just stuff like that, right? So if you really wanted to go that route, you could, but I thought it was really interesting because in the case of Wisconsin, I had not heard about any of that type of an angling in regards to how Zuckerbucks were spent. So now we have this report coming out and people are saying that Mark Zuckerberg's money violated Wisconsin bribery law. So I'm like, how did you get to this conclusion? I'm super interested. Let's check it out. It says here, uh, breaking special counsel finds Mark Zuckerberg's election money violated Wisconsin bribery laws. This is from the Federalist. That's one of the many troubling findings in the report submitted Tuesday by a state-appointed special counsel to the Wisconsin Assembly. Nearly $9 million in Zuckerberg grant funds directly directed solely to five Democrat strongholds in Wisconsin violated the state's election code's prohibi prohibition on bribery. That conclusion represents but one of the many troubling findings detailed in the report submitted today by a state-appointed special counsel to the Wisconsin Assembly. Last August, Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss authorized the Office of Special Counsel headed by retired State Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman to investigate concerns about election integrity and the 2020 election. Gableman delivered an interim report to the State Assembly on November 10th, 2021. Earlier today, the special counsel provided a second interim report to the state's legislative body, noting the report is final in the sense that it provides a list of recommendations with time for the legislature to act before the close of its session in March. While the special counsel's nearly 150-page report closed with recommendations for the state's legislative body, Gableman stressed from the get-go that the report did not seek to reanalyze the recount that occurred in late 2020, nor was the report's purpose to challenge certification of the presidential election. Rather, the report represented a small step toward fulfilling the duty of all citizens of our state and our nation to work hard to secure our democracy for this generation and the next, the special counsel explained. From the details exposed in Monday's special counsel report, the state legislature has much work to do to address the numerous questionable and unlawful actions of various actors in the 2020 election. The first unlawful action, according to the report, concerned the payment of grant funds to five Wisconsin counties that were used to facilitate voting. That arrangement, Gableman wrote, violated Wisconsin Statute 12.11, which prohibits election bribery by providing it is illegal to offer anything of value to or for any person in order to induce any elector to go to the polls or vote. Dang! That's right, babies. 
According to the report, Priscilla Chan and Mark Zuckerberg providing financing that allowed the Center for Tech and Civic Life to offer nearly $9 million in Zuckerbucks to Milwaukee, Madison, Racine, Kenosha, and Green Bay counties. In exchange, the Zuckerberg Five, formerly known as the Wisconsin Five, as the report called the counties, in effect, operated Democrat get-out-the-vote efforts. Those grants, those grant funds then paid for illegal drop boxes to be placed in Democrat voting strongholds. The illegal use of drop boxes represented a second area of concern to the special counsel's office. The report notes, the report notes state election code limits the manner in which ballots may be cast, providing that an elector must personally mail or deliver his or her ballot to the municipal court, except where the law authorizes an agent to act on the behalf of the voter. The Zuckerberg Five also violated the federal and state constitutional guarantee of equal protection, according to the special counsel report. The grant money targeted specific voters for special voting privileges to the disadvantage of similarly situated voters located in other Wisconsin counties. The report also detailed troubling evidence that Zuckerberg Five counties, allowing private groups working with the granting organization, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, to unlawfully administer aspects of the election, in example, the National Vote at Home Institute with Michael Spitzer Rubenstein going into their uh, election centers and running the elections against Wisconsin state law and municipal law, including in one county where one organization, the National Vote at Home Institute, was unlawfully embedded in local government election administration. Oh, was that clerk pissed off? The special counsel's report also highlighted the Wisconsin Election Commission illegal directive to clerks to ignore the state election code governing voting in nursing homes. In several nursing home locations throughout the state, 100% of registered voters cast a ballot in the 2020 election, an unheard of rate that included many ineligible voters. Non-citizens and incapacitated citizens also remained listed on Wisconsin's voting rolls in violation of the law, according to the report. Because some non-citizens qualify for driver's license, the law requires non-citizens' names be removed from the master roll. But that was not done, according to the special counsel. Likewise, individuals declared incompetent must by law be removed from the master list. But again, that did not occur. Special Counsel Gableman detailed many other substantial problems with the 2020 election, but equally troubling to the widespread violations of election law established in the report were the attempts by government officials to impede the investigation. Both the Wisconsin Election Commission and the state attorney general have refused to cooperate with the legislature's investigation and actively obstructed it, according to the report, with a separate appendix detailing how how the Office of Special Counsel and the State Assembly have been blocked from investigating portions of the Wisconsin government. Efforts by the Special Counsel's Office to obtain the information needed for it to complete its work for Wisconsin Assembly to continue with litigation seeking to enforce the legislative subpoenas previously issued. 
Once those subpoenas are enforced, the special counsel noted he will manage and process the voluminous responsive records and will facilitate any available audits. In the meantime, the special counsel presented the state legislature with numerous recommendations to address the problems and illegalities detailed in the report, including eliminating the Wisconsin Election Commission. How the legislature responds will be telling of their commitment to election integrity, just as the state attorney general and other government official efforts to thwart the investigation speaks volumes. All right, that's a pretty good write-up there by Margot Cleveland over at The Federalist. So, a quick highlight of everything that uh, they have... uh, they have found there, but the bribery laws, guys, it's really interesting to see that they actually pinned them down on that, which is great because every time I've heard about the Zuckerbucks in relationship to all of the counties that they gave their money out to, they always say, well, there's no way to prove that they were nonpartisan or bipartisan or partisan, I guess you could say. There's no way to prove that they were partisan. So yeah, that's a great, that is a great article. Uh, hey, Sean Joe, what's up, bud? Thanks for gifting the cookie. Aurelius Locke, thanks for dropping my website link. And uh, WC Cranop, what's up, buddy? Uh, thank you for dropping 659 gold pills. Much appreciated. He says, Jim Rat checking in and lurking. You know, and you know, WC Cranop, if I got, if I, you know, that's just the perfect opportunity, guys. If I were at the gym right now, I would be listening to a podcast and you can listen to the C-Report on podcast by going over to anchor.fm slash the C-Report. Search for us and subscribe for free on any of the, uh, any of your favorite podcast platforms that include Spotify, Go Ogle Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, but guess what? There's a whole bunch more. You don't have to be tailor-made just to go with the giant tech giants. You can get us on any podcast that's available. We're on about every single one of them except for iHeartRadio. So look for us today, subscribe for free, and don't forget, Mr. C sent you. All right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, WC Craneup. You got a good ad out of me. All right. Let's go on with this. Okay, so what else do we got going on here? What else is going on in the fallout of the Gableman report as held by the uh, Wisconsin Campaign and Elections Committee hearing? It seems that we have here 12 Wisconsin counties calling to reclaim the state's 2020 electoral votes before Justice Gableman, Gableman called for the certification. So they were already on this, guys. If you can just imagine, they were already on this. Now, this comes from the Gateway Pundit. Little we see uh, this, this little infographic says, Drive the movement to reclaim Wisconsin's electoral votes. Counties now demanding reclaim of electoral college votes equals 12. Number of days that Speaker Voss, Senate President Kapenga, and Senate Majority Leader Lamahue have refused to sign the branching subpoenas, 202. Oh man, these guys are holding them accountable. Now, if I may say, guys, you know that uh, when it comes to uh, Rhino Speaker of the House, Robin Voss, we ain't fans here at the Sea Report. We, oh yeah, I really do not like Robin Voss. He is a Paul Ryan slash Reince Priebus Rhino. And he's been doing everything in his power to thwart, subvert, and stop election 
in uh, audits happening in the state of Wisconsin. In fact, Speaker Robin Voss is responsible for the drop boxes, not just in Wisconsin, but in the nation. We already covered that here on the Sea Report. If you don't believe me, go look it up for yourself, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, let's not get hung up on Robin Voss too much because uh, we'll be talking about him in a minute. Let's see what the rest of this has to say here. It says, yesterday, 12 Wisconsin counties were calling for the state to reclaim its electoral college votes from the 2020 election. This was before former Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman presented evidence in front of the Wisconsin Senate showing multiple instances of voter fraud and calling for the decertification of the state's 2020 election results. It says, we reported previously that multiple counties in the state of Wisconsin had called for the decertification of the state's 2020 elections. At least six counties were calling for the decertification of the 2020 results in the state. We received an updated number of counties that are requesting decertification of the 2020 election. This number has increased to 12 counties, but this was before yesterday's presentation of evidence in front of the Senate. It was a, it was a committee hearing. It wasn't the Senate. Anyways, okay. All right, it's okay. It's okay, Gateway Pundit. It was a committee hearing. It was not the Senate. By former Supreme Court uh, 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 Justice Michael Gableman, after presenting much evidence of corruption and fraud in the 2020 election, Gableman called for the decertification of the 2020 election results in that state himself in front of the campaign uh, elections, uh, a committee for campaign and elections in Wisconsin. It was not the Senate, but it's okay. We love you, Gateway Pundit. Now, this one also comes from the Gateway Pundit. Wisconsin Republican leaders call for emergency meeting with all county GOP leaders following explosive report by Justice Gableman calling for 2020 decertification of election results. On Tuesday morning, the Wisconsin Assembly Committee on Campaigns and Elections held an informal hearing or sorry, an informational hearing. You see, not in front of the Senate. (laughs) It was not in front of the Senate. Okay. On Tuesday morning, the Wisconsin Assembly Committee on Campaigns and Elections held an informational hearing on the Gableman 2020 election report featuring invited speakers, special counsel, and former Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman and attorney Eric Cardle. During his opening testimony, Justice Gableman listed a series of unlawful acts that took place during the 2020 presidential election. Justice Gableman then called for the decertification of the 2020 presidential election in the state. This is what pre- uh, this is what Justice Gableman said. Our recommendations are fairly predictable considering what we just covered. The elimination of the Wisconsin Election Commission... At this point, I believe the legislature ought to take a very hard look at the option of decertification of 2020 Wisconsin presidential election. This was explosive news. A former Wisconsin Supreme Court justice was calling for decertification of results based on numerous instances of voter fraud in the state. The testimony obviously shook Republican leaders in the state. On Wednesday morning, Wisconsin state Republican leaders, including Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and Senate Majority Leader Devin Lamahieu, uh, called for an emergency meeting on March 16th in Stevens Point to discuss the next steps on 
this explosive development by Justice Gableman. It would be nice to have a few thousand patriots there outside the building to let the GOP leaders know how they feel about stolen elections. So I will take the moment to take this out of Immersive Reader. And they've got a flyer here, I think, maybe. Oh, no, it's more information. Okay, so this is happening... Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. Can you guys see that? Wednesday, March 16th. So if you are in Wisconsin, Wednesday, March 16th from 6.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Holiday Inn Stevens Point, 1001 Amber Avenue, Stevens Point, Wisconsin, 54482. If you are a patriot and you believe in election integrity and you want these people to know exactly how you feel, well, I would recommend you show up with your, with your flags and your signs and let them know that we cannot move on to the next set of elections until we get 2020 fixed. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, Wisconsin is once again in the lead for decertification, okay? It, you, you, we've been bouncing back and forth between Wisconsin and Arizona. And uh, it seems that Wisconsin is again in the lead for decertification, guys. Who wants to make a friendly wager? I know that's probably in bad taste to say that, right? But let's talk about Speaker Robin Voss, ladies and gentlemen. Rhino Speaker Robin Voss. You know what we think about rhinos here at The Sea Report. Now, we have been singing the praises of this rhino here at the Sea Report for as long as I can remember. Now, not literally singing the praises. Here we have Speaker Robin Voss uh, on the screen with his little uh, dirty, uh, dirty Sanchez mustache, right? I wonder, hey, Speaker Robin Voss, have you been standing behind Representative Van Taylor by any chance? Because it sure looks like it. Anyways, okay, I kid, I kid. You guys know I like to be uh, selective with the photos I use here with the swamp creatures, but Speaker Robin Voss, guys, has been, he's been an anathema. He's been a total disgusting swamp creature. He has done everything he can to subvert and to delay any type of audits in the state of Wisconsin, even though he's like, we're going to do an audit. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Okay, this guy is the man who was roommates with Reince Priebus and Paul Ryan's uh, chief of staff back in college. Like, they, you know, he goes, he's, he's a good old boy, guys. He is a rhino. Maybe that's why he's got that little brown mustache around his lips. I don't know. Anyways, uh, maybe him and and maybe him and uh, Van Taylor hang out too much. I don't know. But uh, let me tell you what, guys. Robin Voss is no good. Now, during the hearing for the Committee on Campaign and Elections, the Gableman Report, former Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman threw Robin Voss a bone, okay? And I'm not talking about the same kind of bone that Rents Priebus used to throw Robin Voss. I'm talking like a lifeline. Like, he was like, 
Robin Voss is doing everything he can and he's all for this and Robin Voss is going to push forward with this once you know we get done with this hearing. This is just the beginning. You can count on Robin Voss, said Michael Gableman. Said nobody else though. Said no one here at the Sea Report. Ah, 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 ah. We can see right through this dirty-lipped fool, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Robin Voss I might add, aside from doing everything in his power to subvert and to delay and to stop election integrity hearings as well as audits, even though he tells his constituents that he's moving forward with it, okay, he is also responsible for having drop boxes in Wisconsin, not just in Wisconsin, but the nation, okay, because he also serves as president on a uh, organization that it was like the national, it's the NSCA or something like that. And they basically made recommendations to everyone in the country to have these drop boxes. Okay. We covered it on a few episodes way back in the day. I'm sorry. My memory fails me. Go look it up for yourself. You don't believe me. I'm not talking out of my tuchus. All right. Not only that, but after a judge ruled that drop boxes are unconstitutional in the state of Wisconsin, Robin Voss got to work with Senator Bernier, uh, who is this wench who has been decrying audits and frauds and everything from the jump, okay, to sneak in language into a Senate bill to make drop boxes permanent. Yet you kind of think that maybe Robin Voss is standing on the wrong team here, right? You're kind of starting to see the fact that Robin Voss is a genuine rhino who has absolutely no intention of doing the will of the people or working for those whom have elected him right okay it gets worse guys it gets worse with this guy robin boss like he's got to go he is a genuine rhino ladies and gentlemen but now in the face of this gableman report it appears that robin boss even though Former Supreme Court Justice and Special Counsel Gableman has made certain recommendations and has even stated that Robin Voss will support and move forward with these recommendations and investigations. Robin Voss is doing everything he can to undermine, subvert, delay, and stop those recommendations. Here's from the Gateway Pundit. It says... GOP Wisconsin Speaker Voss sends out talking points to GOP representatives refuting Justice Gableman's report calling for decertification of the 2020 election betrays Gableman behind his back. Now, how could this be a betrayal of Michael Gableman? Could it possibly be because Robin Voss actually hired Michael Gableman to do the job that he has done so far? Yeah, it could possibly be because of that. Now, why would Robin Voss hire Gableman to do this? Because let's not get it twisted. When this Gableman guy first appeared on the scene, I was highly, highly suspicious about it. And I am absolutely surprised that it has gone the way that it's gone. But good, ladies and gentlemen, I am quite happy that it has gone on. Thank you so much. Here's Robin Voss looking like he's, he, look, he looks like he's been crying, right? He's like, damn it. <laughs> I've been found out. 
That's right. You sure have been Robin Voss. Now it says Wisconsin speaker Robin Voss sent out talking points to GOP. Sorry, guys, <laughs> to GOP representatives in the state regarding Tuesday's explosive report by former state former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman calling for the decertification of the 2020 election results in the state. Speaker Voss refutes Gableman's report presented to the Wisconsin Assembly Campaigns and Elections Committee. Voss hired Gableman to perform the investigation. Robin Voss hired former Wisconsin State Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman to perform an investigation of the 2020 election results in Wisconsin. Upon hiring Gableman, there were concerns about whether he would perform a comprehensive investigation due to limited resources being provided to the former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice. Justice Gableman presented the results of his work in front of the Wisconsin Assembly Campaigns and Elections Committee earlier this week, and his results were shocking. The former Supreme Court justice presented a case of voter irregularities and fraud. Many topics were discussed, and at the end of his presentation, based on his findings to date and investigation still in place, Justice Gableman recommended the state consider decertifying its 2020 election results. This was apparently not what Speaker Voss expected or wanted. On Wednesday, Speaker Voss produced a memo that was sent out to all GOP representatives in the state with Voss's talking points refuting Justice Gableman's report. In the very first phrase of Speaker Voss's report, he states, The purpose of this report is not to challenge the certification of the presidential election. Voss refutes Gableman's call to decertify the 2020 election results in the state Voss hired Gableman for his work, and he then stabs him in the back. Also of note, Gableman made it clear that the Wisconsin Election Commission, WEC, needs to be dismantled, but for some reason, Voss did not agree to this too. Voss says it needs to stay, but some things should be updated. The WEC performs the work that secretaries of state perform in other states. Below are talking points Voss shared with GOP representatives on Wednesday refuting Gableman's report. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, We won't go through all of these. We'll just kind of highlight them. And uh, let me expand that for you guys just a little bit. It says, uh, chapter one, the $8.8 million provided to Wisconsin by the Center for Tech and Civic Life should be considered as bribery under laws. So uh, let's see here. Um, This is a special counsel report discusses the following. So it says, uh, Wisconsin statute 12.11 prohibits a city from receiving money to facilitate electors going to the polls or voting by absentee ballot. Grants provided by the Center for Tech and Civic Life to Madison, Milwaukee, Racine, Kenosha, and Green Bay, the Zuckerberg Five, were meant to facilitate voter turnout in targeted neighborhoods, particularly to historically disenfranchised residents. The report details the ways the Zuckerberg Five utilized grant funds to accomplish these goals. References are made to the Will Election Review, which found that these funds led to statistically significant increases and turnouts for cities that received CTCL grants. Okay, now let's see if we can find uh, Voss's replies here. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, WC, um, well, I guess we'll just go down the line. We won't go through all of them, though, like I said. 
Uh, the motive for providing funds. Okay, government oversight has been obstructed by governmental and outside corporate collusion. Council reports WC, the state attorney general, the governor, and private organizations have actively resisted and obstructed the investigation. The report details the methods of obs uh, obstruction. Now I want to see what this says here. Okay. The purpose of this report is not to challenge the certification of the presidential election, but rather produce recommendations to correct certain processes for the future. These recommendations focus largely on enabling oversight and transparency of election systems and maintaining political accountability. Special counsel notes that the investigation is not yet complete due to the pending legal roadblocks. Blah, 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 blah. So he summarizes it. The Zuckerberg Five engaged in questionable acts as a result of the funds. Council reports on ways private account companies engaged in unlawful election administration practices. Various concerns are raised, including a report that WEC sent out more uh, fast ID online keys to local governments than were requested and records were not accurately maintained. These keys allow the user to access a statewide voter registration system, WiseVote. CTCL did not follow WCE's rules to obtain WiseVote data. Further, council reports that CTCL approved organizations, including the National Vote at Home Institute, were engaged in election administration duties. This delegation of a this delegation of duties led to Green Bay's former clerk Chris Teske testifying that election administration decisions were made outside of the clerk's office. Uh, let's see here. So this seems more like a summary to me. Okay. Uh, special counsel's report details a number of recommendations for legislative consideration. These include eliminate the Wisconsin Elections Commission. The Secretary of State could handle elections or collectively body or a collective body of county clerks. Eliminate or reduce fees for voter registration data. Maintain a single statewide voter registration database. Create an official to engage in audit and oversight elections. Prohibit certain contractual terms in government contracts. Encourage in-house tech support. Exit the electronic registration rigging, the electronic rigging information center, Eric. Legislative recommendations to serve political accountability. Uh, provide a method for private challenge to Wisconsin voter rolls. Locate certification of presidential electors in a politically accountable body. Provide a method for a pre and post certification challenge. Recommendations for Wisconsin Elections Commission. Comply with Legislative Audit Bureau recommendations. Enter data into data sharing agreement with Wisconsin Department of Transportation. Recommendations for clerks. Familiar, familiarize yourself with Wisconsin Code Authority. Make independent assessments. Carefully review outside contracts. Explicitly prohibit staff from engaging in get-out-the-vote operations. Okay, so, uh, all right. Well, good job, Gateway Pundit. Those are his talking points. So uh, talking points from Speaker Voss in Wisconsin, who claims it was not the job of special councilman Gableman to recommend the 2020 election results be decertified. All right. Well, I don't know. I think I might have to pay for it to get the full description. Nah! <laughs> but there you are, guys. There you are, guys. <laughs> All right. Well. That's quite the fallout from what's going on over there in Wisconsin. Let me see here real quick. I'm going to pull something up. Because you know I'm the kind of person that just needs a little 
little bit something harder than that. Uh, Gableman. And I will fish it out for you guys. Um, let's see here. This helps. Okay. So before we get to Kentanji Brown Jackson, let's take a look at this. This comes from Dishonorable Mention. Madison.com. And we're not talking about Steve Madison, guys. So, you know. All right. Uh, the article goes like this. Robin Voss has opposed key recommendations just issued by his elections investigator. So we got to go to Madison.com because we didn't really get the sauce from the Gateway Pundit. All right. They just posted his record. They posted they posted a summary is what we ju- We just read a summary, right? I'm not mistaken that, right? We just reported a summary. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Madison.com seems like they'll give us the sauce. Okay. After eight months and uh, hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars, which I might add, according to uh, special councilman Gable, he did not even spend all of that. He still had money in pocket, money in hand, cash in hand. An investigation into the 2020 election delivered key recommendations that have been adamantly opposed by the probe's chief overseer, Assembly Speaker Rhino Robin Voss. Former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman suggested the legislature decertify the 2020 results, which experts and lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have described as a legal constitutional impossibility and something Voss has staunchly opposed despite growing pressure from far-right conservatives. What's more, Gableman called for the elimination and dismantling of the bipartisan Wisconsin Election Commission based largely on guidance the agency provided in 2020 to not send poll workers to nursing homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. Voss, who has allocated $676,000 in taxpayer money to uh, Gableman's effort, which, as Gableman stated, he has not even spent all of that, also has opposed dismantling the agency he was a key player in creating less than seven years ago. Gableman is Voss's Frankenstein monster, said Matthew Rothschild. You remember, there's always those names, family names that you don't trust. Yeah, said Matthew Rothschild, executive director of the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign. The speaker, after having hired Gableman, is unable to control Gableman, and he is running all over the field and trampling on our democracy. So much so that even Robin Voss does not agree with his far-right fringe comments about letting the legislature decertify the elections and basically canceling out everybody's vote. Voss of Rochester who did not respond to a request for comment Wednesday, issued a terse statement hours after Gableman's presentation, thanking the former justice for his work while criticizing the legal challenges filed against Gableman's many subpoenas, which have led to delays in the now eight-month review. Voss did not comment on Gableman's recommendations. Okay, so we just read summary. We read a summary statement that the Gateway Pundit provided a document to. It was a summary statement. The Gateway Pundit said in their article that Robin Voss had made a statement. Madison.com is saying Voss has not even made a statement. Someone's lying. (laughs) To quote Zelensky, come on, Gateway Pundit! 
Let's not make us look a certain way, okay? I know I make us look a certain way on, uh, you know, Saturday nights on Mr. C in the dark. I apologize, guys, but uh, those are my moments. Anyways, okay. I think Voss does owe an explanation, both on decertification and on the Wisconsin Elections Commission, as to whether or not he agrees with Gableman. And if he does not, why is he continuing to hand Gableman taxpayer money to perpetuate ideas that Voss has already said can't happen and should not happen, said Representative Mark Spritzer of Beloit, who sits on the Assembly Elections Committee. Gableman said on Tuesday he believes he still has a legally enforceable contract with the state, but added he and Voss continue to negotiate an extension to the agreement that expired at the end of December. He said a new contract could come with modifications, but did not provide specifics and suggested that he would continue to conduct the review even without a new contract. Speaking in a Twitter Spaces panel discussion on Gableman's review on Wednesday, UW-Madison political science professor Barry Burden said the ongoing review could end up paying off for Voss down the road. It lets him demonstrate to the base of his party that, as former president, their words not mine, President Donald Trump continues to weigh in on these things, that he is seriously questioning the irregularities that people have raised about the election, Burden said. But it also gives him some distance from it. If the Gableman project goes off the rails, he can say it went off the rails or it went too far. Maybe by design or maybe by luck, I think it puts Voss in a convenient place that he can either embrace it or reject it, depending on where it goes, or sort of do both simultaneously depending on the audience, Burden said. Voss's stance on the 2020 election has drawn ridicule from some within the party who want him to push harder on efforts to overturn the presidential election, with some party activists calling to toss Voss. Late last month, Burlington resident Adam Steen, a Republican, launched a primary challenge against Voss on the 63rd Assembly District. We, the people, cannot expect any different from the status quo from the current leaders that are entrenched in Madison, Steen said in a statement. It is time to send actual representatives to the Capitol to stand up for the rights of we, the people. Agency scrutinized. Like many Republicans, Voss has criticized the State Elections Commission for how it administered the 2020 election, going so far to call the resignation of the agency's nonpartisan, ha! Nonpartisan, my butt! Administrative Megan, Administrator Megan Wolf. He has also said he believes five of the six members on the bipartisan commission should probably be charged with crimes for instructing clerks that did not need to send poll workers in to nursing homes. However, Voss told the Associated Press earlier this year he opposes the call by some Republicans to dissolve the commission, which GOP lawmakers and former Governor Scott Walker created in 2016 to replace the Nonpartisan Government Accountability Board, which had been investigating Republican campaigns for coordinating with outside groups during the 2011 and 2012 recall elections. This idea we need to blow up. Uh, this uh, this idea that we need to blow up the entire system. I just don't see that. Voss said at the time. I do not favor some kind of a radical change to how the elections commissions operates. 
Voss's opposition to the certifying the election has been more pronounced. I took an oath to uphold the Constitution, and I'm never going to break that, Voss said in a February 18th interview with WISN. It is unconstitutional for us to decertify the election. It is impossible. It cannot happen. I don't know how many times I have to say that. There are some who believe, there's one who believes, that we uh, somehow have the right to withdraw electoral votes, even though every lawyer that we have worked with in Wisconsin says we cannot undo the 2020 elections, Voss said in January in reference to efforts by Representative Timothy Rantham. A recount and court decision have, as a recount and court decisions have affirmed that uh, illegitimate Joe defeated Trump in Wisconsin by almost 21,000 votes. A review by the nonpartisan Legislative Audit Bureau found no evidence of widespread voter fraud, and multiple court rulings have also found no evidence of irregularities. Hmm. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, you know what? I do know. Just a moment, please. You know, um, after that hearing on Tuesday, there was a press conference almost immediately after that took place between um, Representative Branchin was there and uh, the attorney, um, I forget his last name, his first name, Eric. He was there as well. Um, and they were talking about they are talking about the roadblocks to decertification, mainly that Wisconsin had not written out any steps as per legislature, but that did not mean that they could not do that, you know? So uh, it, it just boiled down to them actually doing it, you know, and actually creating a, a legislature that gave them a framework. But that does not mean that they are not able to actually perform those functions. Yes, they can, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely decertify. They just need to create a pathway for that themselves, as do most states, because we are in, we are in an area that we have never been in before. We are in uncharted territories, guys. We're in uncharted territories, and that's basically where that stands, okay? So, I would say at this point, Wisconsin is probably number one for decertifying next to Arizona, I would say at this point. But, uh, all right, guys, it's time to talk about Contangi Brown Jackson. Now, if you guys remember Contangi Brown Jackson from our last episode, I called her Black Pennywise. Well, I found one that's maybe not as Pennywise, but it's still pretty scary, okay? Uh, just real quick. Hey, Aurelius, thank you so much for dropping all those links over there in the chat. I uh, appreciate you, bud. Absolutely appreciate you. And uh, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, and we got other people hanging out still. We still got WC. We still got Two Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I do take a lift <laughs> when I have to, uh, which is usually because I don't have any clothes for public transport. So anyways, guys, OK, let's go ahead and get into Kentanji Brown Jackson. I told you guys we have a full, full, full show to you guys. Got to make up for yesterday's absence. Now, the last time we were on the air doing it live, we were talking about we we kind of like threw Kentanji Brown Jackson in your face, right? 
we gave you a little we gave you a little summary from uh from uh judicial watch you know uh a few words that uh about uh tom fitton had to say about kentanji brown jackson so tonight we're gonna do a little bit of a deep dive into kentanji brown jackson now this is illegitimate joe's nominee for supreme court this is the black woman that everyone has been waiting for on the left right and if i were her i wouldn't feel special or any well you know i would feel special but i wouldn't feel like i earned the position because after all it was solely based on the fact that she's black and she's a woman or is that the case? Is that really why they chose Kentanji Brown Jackson? Or is it just the fact? Did they choose her for another reason? But they threw out the black and the woman card so that it would force people to confirm her, right? Because I think everyone who's confirming her is like white, right? Okay, so... So you know what? I don't think I don't think uh, I don't think that Joe Biden chose her. Well, because first of all, we know Joe Biden didn't choose her. It was Obama who chose her. Okay, Obama chose her, and uh, I don't think Obama chose her because she's black or because she's a woman. I think Obama chose her because she's a radical and an activist. I think that Joe Biden said black and woman to put the pressure on all the white people who would be confirming her. That's basically what I think happened here, guys. But let's take a little bit of a look at Kentanji Brown Jackson. And let's see if we cannot spoil her confirmation. Just like we did with that other woman, Omarova, right here at the Sea Report. Okay, let's do it with Kentanji Jackson. Let's do it with Kentanji Brown Jackson, guys. Let's see if we can spoil her confirmation. And actually... Before I jump into it, because you're going to learn some interesting stuff about Kentanji Brown Jackson, guys. Um, I think probably one of the most interesting things about Kentanji Brown Jackson. Where are you at? Where are you at? No, 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 no. Oh, wait, is this it? Let me just make sure I got this right. Can you just get... Oh, yeah, okay, okay. So, Kentanji Brown Jackson is actually related to uh, former Speaker of the House Paul Ryan by marriage. Okay. <laughs> huh. What a coincidence, right? What a coincidence. Yeah. They are related by marriage. Guys, she and Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, the same one that uh, Speaker of the House Rhino Robin uh, Voss is related to through a roommate in college. Okay, so <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, let's check out this article. I think it comes from the Epoch Times. Who is Kentanja Brown Jackson, President Biden's Supreme Court nominee? If she's confirmed by the U.S. Senate and becomes the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court, and if her judicial track record so far is any guide, Kentanji Brown Jackson will probably be a reliable member of the high court's three-member liberal bloc. Jackson's arrival would maintain the current ideological alignment of the court, which is now made up of six conservatives, three of whom were appointed by then-president, their words not mine, President Donald Trump, and three liberals. Uh, 
Born Kentenji Onyaka Brown, Jackson turned 52 on September 14th, much ashamed that she's a Virgo. She would replace retiring Justice Stephen Breyer, who curtsied like a fop for Joe Biden during the State of the Disunion. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Jackson previously clerked at the Supreme Court for Breyer, who has sung her praises. She's related by marriage to former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, who ran for vice president in 2012, opposing the incumbent vice president at the time, President Joe Biden. After hearing of the nomination, Ryan said, Ryan said, wrote on Twitter that our politics may differ, but my praise for Kentanji's intellect, for her character and for her integrity is unequivocal. Born in Washington, Jackson moved with her family to Florida when she was young. Her father was chief attorney for the Miami-Dade County School Board. Her mother was principal at a public magnet school. She attended the same high school as Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, no surprise, and U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, where she was student body president and excelled in debate. She graduated from Harvard College and Harvard Law School. She was a reporter and researcher at Time Magazine and worked at four elite law firms and served in three federal judicial clerkships, as well as an attorney and commissioner on the U.S. Sentencing Commission as it moved to reduce sentencing for drug crimes. In an experience that's not typical for Supreme Court justices, Jackson worked for two years as a public defender. Amy Howe at SCOTUS Blog reported, When the Washington Post reviewed cases that Jackson had handled as a federal defender, it reported that she won uncommon victories against the government, that shortened or erased lengthy prison terms. Her experience as a public defender is a selling point for Democrats. Before Biden became president, only about 1% of federal appellate judges had previously done the kind of work Jackson has done, Joel Mathis at The Week reported. Jackson was one of the attorneys on a 2001 friend of the court brief arguing in favor of a Massachusetts law that formed a floating buffer zone around pedestrians and automobiles nearing abortion clinics. A federal appeals court allowed the law to stand. Jackson is currently a judge on the influential U.S. Court of Appeals for the District Court of Columbia or District uh, of Columbia Circuit, which has served as a kind of farm team for the high court. Eight other judges from the D.C. Circuit have gone on to the Supreme Court, among them the late Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The current Supreme Court justices to come from the courts are Clarence Thomas, John Roberts, and Brett Kavanaugh, according to Ballotpedia. Biden nominated Jackson to the D.C. Appellate Court on April 19, 2021, and the U.S. Senate confirmed her on June 14, 2021, with a 53-44 vote. She replaced Merrick Garland, who went on to become Biden's attorney general. Before that, Jackson was nominated by then-President Barack Obama, otherwise known as Barry Sotero, to be a judge of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. She was confirmed by senators on a voice vote and served in that post from March 2013 
until June 2021. While serving as district court, Jackson found that parts of three of then, their words not mine, of President Donald Trump's executive orders were in conflict with federal employees' right to collective bargaining. Her decision was unanimously reversed by the D.C. Circuit. In 2019, Jackson rejected Trump White House arguments that executive privilege shielded White House counsel Don McGahn from a congressional subpoena in connection with special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation of alleged Russian interference in the 2016 election. Jackson wrote in a court opinion that presidents are not kings and that for a president's senior aides, absolute immunity from compelled congressional process simply does not exist. Trump's assertions that he could prevent top advisors from testifying is a proposition that cannot be squared with core constitutional values, and for this reason alone, it cannot be sustained, she added. Later congressional investigators said and McGahn's attorneys cut a deal and he agreed to be questioned in a closed-door session, according to a media outlet's analysis. In the same court in 2019, Jackson temporarily prevented the Trump administration from moving forward with plans to enlarge a program that expedited the deportation of illegal aliens. Previously, the program had primarily been used to speed up removals of those who were detained shortly after illegally entering the country from Mexico. It bothered Jackson that the government seemed to not factor in how the expanded program would affect illegal immigrants and their families who had been residing in the country for as long as two years. There is no question in this court's mind that an agency cannot possibly conduct reasoned, non-arbitrary decision-making concerning policies that might impact real people and not take such real-life circumstances into account. So in other words, screw the Constitution, screw the rule of law. She's going to use a little fiddle with some uh, uh, tear-juiced heartstrings to rule on this black and white, no pun intended, protection of our country. The D.C. appeals court that she would later be elevated to overturned her decision, finding that Homeland Security Secretary had the authority to ramp up the program. Also in 2019, Jackson sided with the Trump administration, turning away environmentalists' arguments that the administration, in its zeal to expand the border wall with Mexico, had failed to follow environmental laws before moving forward with construction. Soon after arriving on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, Jackson ruled in favor of government employees unions who were fighting a Trump-era regulation that gave government agencies the authority to make changes in the workplace. It's unclear when the Senate will take up Jackson's nomination. Breyer, who curtsied and pooped for uh, Lord Biden during the State of This Union address, who was appointed by then-President Bill Clinton in 1994, has said that he'll retire at the end of the court's current term, which is expected to end in May or June. Okay, so that's kind of a real quick rundown on Contangi Brown Jackson. Uh, we have a statement here from the president of heritage.org. And uh, it's pretty interesting what he had to say. It's not too it's not too lengthy his statement. It's pretty much straight to the point. 
It says, uh, Kentanji Brown Jackson is not qualified for Supreme Court. Kentanji Brown Jackson is a radical judge. Senators should reject her confirmation. It goes this way. President Joe Biden announced the appointment of Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court today, appeasing left-wing special interest groups and fulfilling a campaign promise of using race and sex to determine his nominee. Heritage President Kevin Roberts made the following statement. There are a few decision there are few decisions more important for a president than the selection of a Supreme Court nominee. President select Biden has utterly failed starting with his criteria for making this appointment. Kentanji Brown Jackson is the most radical judge ever nominated for a seat on the Supreme Court. A review of her record and judicial philosophy reveals a deeply troubling pattern and raises questions about her ability to be a fair and impartial judge. Her limited judicial record reveals that Jackson has consistently ignored the Constitution, twisting the law to favor certain outcomes. Judges should play a limited role in our government, yet Jackson's far-left supporters want her to impose a political agenda that invents new rights or erases rights she does not like. Based on the information we already know, senators should reject her for this lifetime appointment. So, yeah, so she actually does not have that long of a uh, that long of a track record. You know, 2013, she lands in a position, you know, she she moves over to the appeals courts. What around what? Eight, 19 Biden appointed her himself. Right. 1920. So um, she really hasn't. She doesn't have a lot of decisions or opinions or rulings that she's written. Right. But from what we can see, they haven't been very, uh, very well uh, vetted as far as that goes. Uh, real quick. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. And thank you so much, 123SKG, for gifting that cookie. Want to see Mr. C get wound up? Caffeine will do it. Support Mr. C at buyacoffee.com slash Mr. C TV. Thank you, Aurelius Locke. I appreciate that. Oh, you guys want to see me get wound up? You guys ain't seen nothing yet. So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to look at a few cases. Um, that first article where we talked about who is Kentanji Brown Jackson by the Epoch Times summarized a lot of stuff in relationship towards her and the Trump era of administration, right? So uh, let's look at some of, some of these other... And the, the Mexico case was interesting too. I have an article on that here as well. But we'll start with this one. Uh, the earliest ruling I could find on her actually had to do with her involvement with uh, with the um, with the uh, the the trial for uh, the uh, comet ping pong. That's right, guys. Comet ping pong. You know what I'm talking about. When that man went in and shot up Comet Ping Pong looking for the basement, you know, of children trapped in the dungeon. She's the judge that ruled on that case, guys. Okay, so it says North Carolina man sentenced to four year prison term for armed assault at Northwest Washington Pizza Restaurant. Customers, employees fled as he brought assault rifle and revolver into restaurant on weekend afternoon. Edgar Madison Welch, 29, of Salisbury, North Carolina, was uh, sentenced today to four years in prison on charges stemming from an incident in which he carried a loaded AR-15 assault rifle and a revolver 
into a Northwest Washington pizza restaurant, scattering employees and customers, and fired his assault rifle into a door. The sentencing was announced by U.S. Attorney Channing D. Phillips, Andrew Vale, Assistant Director in Charge of the FBI's Washington Field Office, and Peter Newsham, uh, Chief of the Metro- Metropolitan Police Department. Welsh pled guilty on March 24, 2017, in the U.S. District Court of District Columbia, uh, of District of Columbia to a federal charge of interstate transportation of firearm and ammunition and a District of Columbia charge of assault with a dangerous weapon. He was sentenced by the Honorable, the Honorable, the Hornorable Contangi Brown Jackson. Following his prison term, Welsh will be placed on three years of supervised release. While on supervised release, Welsh is to receive a mental health assessment He also was ordered to stay away from the restaurant while on release. Additionally, he must pay $5,744 in restitution for property damage he caused during the incident. So I don't think we need to go into the incident, guys. I just wanted you guys to see that she's actually the judge that ruled on this case. So you get a little bit of a taste for Kintanji Brown. Now, in a separate article... Uh, where I guess a couple of years after that, when uh, Comet Ping Pong caught on fire, and they call this Pizza Gate. I mean, isn't it Pedo Gate? Anyways, okay. So, um, Kintanji Brown had this to say. It says here, uh, U.S. District Judge Kintanji B. Jackson said that while nobody was injured when Welch fired his weapon inside Comet Ping Pong, his actions literally left psychological wreckage. So already you can see she's an SJW little like, uh, you know, pink hat person. Right. And so, um, you know, that was that was that, I mean, they they sought, you know, the uh, the prosecutors sought four years the defenders sought, or his team sought one year in, in jail, and Kintanji ruled in uh, favor of the four years. So it says here, Welch's attorneys had asked for a sentence of 1.5 years, while prosecutors wanted 4.5 years. She gave him four years. Okay, so that was Kintanji Brown and Comic Ping Pong. Who would have thought that there was a tie-in there, right? Okay, here's an interesting one. This one comes from Canada Free Press. This goes to her activist, her her being an activist judge. This is what she also thinks about global warming, guys. California burns the new normal thanks to Obama-era environmental regulations. This is from Canada Free Press. We're going to go down to Kintanji Jackson's uh, section here. Where are you at, Kintanji? Okay, it's right here. So it says, Obama administration issued a major rewrite of all of the country's forest rules and guidelines. By 2012, the Obama administration issued a major rewrite of all the country's forest rules and guidelines. In 2015, Washington, D.C. District Court Judge Kintanji Brown Jackson, an Obama appointee, rejected claims from a coalition of timber, livestock, and off-highway vehicle organizations that the Obama sustainability provisions in the 2012 planning rule would cause an economically harmful reduction in timber harvest and land use and an increase in forest fires. Now, interesting enough, have not we seen since 2012, like the entire West Coast burning guys? Now, isn't it interesting that this can actually go back to a 2012 ruling by Obama that was enforced by Kentangi Brown. Huh. 
It says, Defendants Klamath Siskuyu Wit Wildland Center and Oregon Wild, represented by the Western Environmental Law Center, as well as the Wilderness Society and Defenders of Wildlife, represented by Earth Justice, argued that existing federal law provided ample authority for the Forest Services to promulgate the planning rule provisions which place emphasis on ecologically sustainable forest management. Uh, as with the Clinton administration in the 1990s, the Obama administration worked against all drilling, mining, ranching, farming, property ownership, and made it happen through the 2012 eco-terrorism regulations. So-called environmentalists have a very narrow view of nature, not recognizing that without proper land management, which means an appreciable amount of logging, they are actually hurting wildlife and the long-term health of the forest and endangering human lives. Yet, environmentalists believe that people can uh, people cause climate change, so maybe this is just punishment, environmental justice, in their never-ending and destructive quest for sustainability. So because of Kintanji Brown rejecting this uh, claim, uh, California has been burning, guys. For how long? The West has been burning for how long? Thanks, Kintanji. Thanks, Kintanji. I guess you're going you're gonna to make America burn too, right? Now, we don't really need to go over this one because uh, the uh, Epoch Times covered it. Federal judge blocks Trump move to fast-track deportations. Of course, then that got turned over. So, uh, yeah, she was basically like, but the families. Think about the families, guys. I'm Kentanji Brown Jackson. I got power. Now, uh, here's an interesting one. We'll go through this one, but not, not by much. I got like two or three other backup articles to this. We'll just look at this one. Judge Kintanji Brown Jackson makes her Mueller Arena debut with Dave McGon case. Sorry, Dave McGon. Yeah. So it just says here, Judge uh, Chief Judge Beryl. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Chief Judge Beryl Howell ordered that the lawsuit get a new judge, citing a potential for manipulation over case assignments. Oh, is that all we got? Is that all we got? What kind of article is this? Come on, Kintanji Brown. Here we go. I don't know why this information was not included in that immersive read, but it says here. U.S. District Judge Kintanja Brown Jackson of the District of Columbia will now oversee House Judiciary Democrats' lawsuit seeking ex-White House counsel Don McGahn's public testimony. Jackson, who was confirmed to the bench in 2013 during the Obama administration, was randomly assigned the case Wednesday. Randomly. Right. She had not yet overseen any of the high-profile legal fights between House Democrats and the Trump administration, nor anything related to the former special counsel Robert Mueller III's probe. On this one, it's um, Kentanji Brown Jackson. Oh, wait, we already saw that one. Okay, this one, breaking. Obama appointed Judge Rules. Former White House counsel must testify. So she ruled he had to testify. U.S. District Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson, who was appointed by Obama, ruled. Don McGahn must comply with the subpoenas and testify. There's Black, uh, what do I call her? Black Pennywise. Okay. All right. And then uh, let's see. Appointed by Barack Obama, preceded by uh, Henry Kennedy Jr. Um, per Wikipedia, Contangi Brown Jackson is the United States District Judge of the United States District Court of the District of Columbia. In 2016, she was reportedly interviewed as one of Barack Obama's potential nominees for Supreme Court vacancy created by the death of Antonin Scalia. On July 23, 2009, President Barack Obama nominated Jackson to become vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. 
Uh, the Hill reports a federal judge on Monday ruled that former White House counsel Don McGahn must testify before Congress, delivering a significant win to House Democrats amid their impeachment inquiry into President Trump. In her ruling, U.S. District Judge Kentanji Brown-Jackson, an Obama appointee, said McGahn is obligated to comply with a House Judiciary Committee subpoena from April seeking to compel his testimony. Interesting enough, in the next article, Kentanji Brown-Jackson injuncts her own ruling. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why. But it says, Judge issues temporary stay of her own order from Don McGahn to comply with the subpoena. So two days after she rules that he has to go through with it, she decides that he does not have to comply with the subpoena. And then later on, it gets overturned altogether. Okay. Uh, here's one last interesting article about Kentanji Brown Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, just give me a second here real quick. Okay. Just give me one minute. Okay, cool. All right. One last article about Kentanji Brown Jackson, guys. Uh, it says here, ex-clerk of SCOTUS contender said to primp her Wikipedia page and degrade those of her competitors. Okay. So someone who was formerly her clerk, all right, reported this on her. Okay. Check it out. It says a former law clerk for a potential nominee to the Supreme Court took to Wikipedia over the last week to edit his ex-boss's biography as well as those of her competitors. A Politico investigation into the alterations led to a group of former law clerks for Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson identifying the anonymous editor as Matteo Godi. A statement sent to the outlet by former Johnson clerks who were granted anonymity said Godey had edited Jackson's Wikipedia page as a matter of course for several years, but insisted Jackson was not aware of Godey's edits on the pages of other judges. Politico reported what it considered to be a pattern of changes, nothing that Jackson's page was noting that Jackson's page was edited to paint her in a more favorable light for a liberal audience, while the pages of other potential nominees, South Carolina Federal District Court Judge J. Michelle Childs, and California Supreme Court Justice Leandra Kruger were altered to make them potentially less appealing to a left-leaning audience. Uh, idiot in charge Biden said late last month that he would announce his nominee to replace retiring Justice Stephen Breyer before the end of February and that the candidate would be a black woman. I've made no decision except one. The You know what? I, oh, wait, wait. Yeah, I don't care to read what Biden has to say. Biden tapped Jackson in 2021 to serve as his nominee to fill the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals seat of Attorney General Merrick Garland. Jackson, who has long been touted in progressive circles as a potential candidate for the Supreme Court, is reportedly included on Biden's short list of nominees. Jackson recently faced scrutiny over her judicial record, which includes high-profile rulings that were later overruled by high courts. And it appears that a lot of her rulings have been overturned by high courts. So she doesn't have the best track record, guys. And as you can see, uh, based on some of the articles that we've read and some of the other notes in these articles, she clearly, uh, she clearly is not an originalist. And she changes law, guys, 
to suit the needs of independent uh, or um, uh, varying or respective uh, cases. So there's our deep dive into Contanja Brown Jackson, guys. I hope you guys enjoy tonight's C-Report. I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. WC Cranop, thank you for throwing two cookies my way. I almost definitely be enjoying those cookies uh, with the proverbial coffees <laughs> that might happen to come this way. Uh, appreciate you guys again for hanging out with us tonight at the C-Report. We should be back again tomorrow. We'll see what we're up to this weekend. I don't know just yet what we got in the works, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but again, if you enjoy this broadcast, if you're live with us over at Twitch, Clout Hub, or over at Rumble, uh, we, sh- we appreciate your support. Make sure you share the links. We are at Truth Social, guys. Now, uh, we are like uh, 156,473 in line. So as soon as they make that account, I will most definitely uh, let you guys know once it's active and available. But I believe we're at Mr. CTV, if I'm not mistaken. I think we got that handle. So if you have your Truth Social accounts active, look for us, Mr. CTV. I'm getting people following uh, my account, even though I haven't even received my account yet. So I don't know what's up with that, but uh, I'm sure it will be available all in all in due time. Also, again, thank you, Aurelius, for throwing out those links. Check us out at the podcast. Follow us. Subscribe for free on anchor.fm slash the C report or at any of your favorite podcast platforms. If you're like me, you like to take your uh, your news and your information, your entertainment in the ear. Um, and uh, you can definitely catch up with us there, ladies and gentlemen. Buymeacoffee.com slash MRCTV. Can't miss that up either, guys. We'll definitely be uh, enjoying those coffees you get this way. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, you guys have a wonderful and beautiful rest of your evening. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you next time.